a golden god! Yeah! Yeah! I am a golden god! Hey, Russell, don't jump. And you can tell Rolling Stone magazine that my last words were... I'm on drugs! should work on those last words. Okay. Oh, I got it. 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 This is better. Last words. I dig music. seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of January in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. I am a colossal nerd, and this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, you want, you should join in today. Uh, 503-733-2970. For your comments, your questions, your clarifications, your corrections, your two cents, you want to have you. I never took home my uh, bouquet of roses from yesterday. I can do that today. I just left them sitting in the studio all the night. I hope they're still alive. What is it? What is it? Russell Hammond says when they're dragging him under the bus. I hurt the flower. I know. <laughs> uh, okay. I had originally intended to go with that Lester Bang speech, uh, the, the, the where he where he was sitting There's in the cafe. There's so many great ones. Or even at the end, he's like, "You're not cool." You're not, I've seen you. You're not cool. Yeah. All right, I gotta quit. I'm glad you're home. I know. I'm glad you're home because I'm not cool. Let me just uh, let me just tell you this: the one Lester, because I walked up and I left my almost famous DVD sitting at home. That was my whole thing: is I was gonna bring in my almost famous, uh, my extended cut DVD, and I was gonna pull a speech off of it. And then I, I forgot to bring it in, so I went to YouTube, of course, which is where you find all of those things. 
And it, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but you go on YouTube and you find a result for something. Like, you know, you put in your search terms and you, the, the result comes back and it looks like somebody has posted the video that you were looking for. But then you listen to it and you realize that it's unusable in some way. Like they've layered their own music over it. Or sometimes it will say... Da, da 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 speech from Almost Famous, but instead it's just some guy sitting in his living room reenacting the speech in front of a video camera. The one this morning was, I think there's something in the air in the studio. It was like the second day in a row where I'm fine. Did you fine. Eat before the show again? No. Where I'm fine, and then I walk into the studio, and immediately I'm all, I'm all gunked up. The studio's starting to smell bad. Yeah, I think there's some sort of dust or whatever in here. Anyway, so I go to YouTube this morning, and somebody had posted... Uh, a Lester Bangs Almost Famous compilation uh, where it's just all of the scenes from uh, from Almost Famous featuring Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I keep playing, it's all in Spanish. It was a compilation of all of the Lester Bangs sequences from Almost Famous, but all of them dubbed into Spanish and therefore unusable. That's very strange. It was indeed. All right. Uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the somewhere in between. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You can email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Coming up uh, today, ladies and gents, ladies and germs, uh, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea, Lisa Desjardins will be joining us from... Is she in Washington, D.C.? Well, she's somewhere. Yeah, she's going to be going to South Carolina this weekend, I know. Uh, I'm not yes. sure where she is, though. I know uh, that Jim is still in Las Vegas, though. She is in Washington, D.C. We'll talk about Governor Mitt Romney. It's, yes, it's astounding that he won, seeing as how his dad was the governor and he was born there. No, I, a, I smell Joe Kennedy. No, it's a total... Exactly. It's a total... Uh, it's a total... It, can I just tell you this? I'm not saying that Mitt Romney is, you know, won solely because his dad used to be the governor of the place. Um, but I will tell you this. At least once last night, and I think twice, Wolf Blitzer slipped and referred to Mitt Romney as George Romney. And that was his dad, who was the governor. So it is largely understood, I think, that that's why Mitt Romney won in Michigan. Because his dad used to, uh, you know, he used to be king of the joint. Well, in any event. So uh, Lisa will join us today. Uh... And I understand, and I know that nobody else was really on the ballot in uh, in Michigan on the Democratic side. It was just Hillary or like other, but she still did get like 68 percent of the vote or something, which means that you know, if I were her, I'd be rolling that out in ads anyway. Americans are dense; they don't know that nobody else is on the ballot. I'd just be running that out as some sort of a uh, some sort of a proclamation about my invulnerability anyway. If I were her, man, what do I know? Uh, yeah, so Lisa Desjardins today. Uh, James Rupp will join us from uh, Las Vegas, where a judge has told O.J. to uh, just to, to to really get stuffed. And how strange was that? You heard the conversation I, I had did. with the booker. So, A, I think the judge, not only did he deny O.J., I think he doubled his bail today. I think the, the judge actually told O.J. to get bent. And then we call CNN, and we're doing the guest booking this morning, and apparently the CNN guy was all offended on O.J.'s behalf because, and we're quoting now, because the judge was really rude to O.J. this morning. <laughs> so apparently whoever it is that we deal with at CNN is sympathetic to O.J.'s plight. And I didn't really want to get into it, but I was like, really? I'm like, you you don't see why somebody would be rude to him? Yeah. So he was sympathetic. Maybe he's just a, span, a fan of spousal death. Uh, so anyway, we'll talk to uh, James Roop, who is incarcerated in uh, Las Vegas for the next couple of days. 
Uh, coming up at 1 o'clock, Brian Wheat of Tesla uh, will be joining us uh, via the uh, telephone. Uh, Tesla, I think that show's tonight, actually. It's at the Roseland. I think it's tonight. It might be tomorrow, but I think it's tonight. Uh, Tesla will be in town. Uh, so we'll talk to Brian Wheat of Tesla. Uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com joining us today. And then right here, I don't know what Tim has prepared in, the, in, in terms of watches, but I got my whole own pile of watches over here. Uh, here's what I got so far. This is just in the last day. Snuff watch. Religious nutcase watch. Britney watch. Clown watch. Penis watch. All of these just pulled since I came into work this morning. Tim, what watches have ye that did it today? Uh, probably the same ones. All right, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the clown watch is especially gratifying. But, well, they're all really good. And then, so I have this Britney watch, and Sarah has already found uh, some supplemental Britney news with which to augment that. So uh, we'll get to all that. Uh, it is 503-733-2970. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Wednesday. A dense fog advisory remains in effect for the Portland Cove metro area until noontime. There's still some black ice out there. Mitt Romney discovers he has facial muscles after smiling for the first time. <laughs> Remember that Portland nurse, uh, nurse who strangled the guy that her husband hired to kill her? Yes. She's getting a medal for heroin. Excellent. Good for you. A member of someone who could have become a member of Young Hollywood is found dead, but it's not Britney. Yes, and O.J. will have to pay part of his bail to get out of jail, and the bail is doubled. And we'll listen to uh, 911 calls of the tiger attack at the San Francisco Zoo. Fantastic. Wonderful. Wise guy kids. Oh, by the way, speaking of horrible sounds, did you hear Dennis Miller playing um, uh, half-breed today? Oh, no. But it wasn't just half But Here's the thing. It wasn't even the share version. It was like some weird, you know, like as made famous by version. You know, like by the one of those one of those by the original artists things, but it wasn't by the original artist. Yeah, they still sell those things. He had the uh well yeah, and you know and you know where they found where they found a home for those is on uh, iTunes. You go to the iTunes store because the barrier the entry is like so low now. Like all if you have a home studio, all you have to do I was talking I we have this monthly like program director meeting that we do bless you. Uh and we were having this somebody's cell phone is ringing. I forgot the sounds. I got distracted by that last thing. I'm sorry. I'll just wait. Did you hear the song, though? The Good Life. Mm-hmm. Everybody done now? Everybody taking care of their little bits of business? By the way, Tesla's on February 2nd, not oh. tonight or tomorrow night. Really? That's bizarre. Why are we talking to them today if the show's not the February 2nd? I do not know. Well, all right. Well, whatever. Uh, in any event, no, it, but we were. I was talking to the other program directors about this, and, you know, it used to be... That when an artist would come out with a hit, to, like a top 40 single or some sort of a hit pop song, that immediately everybody else would rush into the studio and several bands would cover the same song and they would sort of flood the market with different versions of that song, hoping to, hoping to get a little bit of that money and divide up the pie. And really, since vinyl sales have gone away and cassette and CD sales are pretty much not, I mean, cassette sales are absolutely non-existent, but CD sales, you know, it's not really the primary market for that stuff anymore. Now the thing is you do it on iTunes. Especially with home studios and digital recording the way it is, man. You can knock out a cover version of some Rihanna song and stick it on iTunes by the end of the day. Yeah, anybody can get on there. I wasn't even working and I was putting podcasts on there. <laughs> I mean, it's like you don't, you, have, you, don't, you don't have to have any credibility at all. It's very democratic. Yeah, it really is. So today, Dennis Miller's bumper music theme. He does, this is, I really am envious of this. I wish I'd beaten him to this. Uh, but he does theme sets every day for his bumper music. And today, the bumper music on the Dennis Miller show was all songs that make him cringe. So he had Muskrat Love. You said he had Signs by the Five Man Electrical Band. Yeah. Uh, he had um, Pac Man Fever by Buckman and Garcia, or Buckner and Garcia. And then he had uh, Half Breed 
But they get about 30 seconds into the song, and they all realize that it's not Cher. So his producer pulled it, and it was like, you know, Sandy Duncan sings the hit of, or whatever. So, anyway. How I love and hate the word. Uh, Half-breed, not Cher. Did we already uh, tease the news? Yes, we did. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Hello. I'm doing well. How are things? How was yeah, bowling? I, was I didn't talking, go. I was just talking to my sister. She's all upset because her crazy, like, crackhead roommate, who charges her, like, $1,000 a month to live in a room with no door, basically, <laughs> where she lives in Brooklyn. That's New York. That's what I was just going to say. Well, Heather just got this, this great yeah. apartment um, in, like, this little Polish area of Brooklyn. Uh-huh. And now, of course, the roommates, she was totally fine when Heather gave her the notice. Like, she's been looking for months for an apartment, right. finally found one. And now the girl's spazzing out on her, wrote her, I guess, um, like, a coked-out 25-paragraph email last night about how she's screwing her over and all the stuff and I'm you know I'm just what is it with the Dylan sisters and crackhead roommates I do not know you guys attract odd house partners no I mean this woman leaves for a month and instead and Heather's still paying a thousand dollars a month and instead she has her ex-boyfriend move in and stay rent free for the month while she's gone so Heather's staying there with some random dude and it really is New York by the way you can live in my salad bowl for five hundred dollars a month (laughs) totally I was just called a living space That's exactly that man that typifies that place to a T. Mm-hmm. Jesus. I mean really where you are living inside a cardboard box inside someone's bathroom inside a studio apartment, you know, and it's 1200 a month. It's the same for actors in LA. I've had numerous <laughs> friends who lived under people's dining room tables in a sleeping bag, Jesus, with the dogs. <laughs> Well, sorry about that. It wasn't me. Yeah. I mean, it, you really do count your blessings. I mean, I'm complaining about the, the prospect of it maybe moving here in Portland and the fact that it's going to cost me a couple hundred bucks a month extra, you know, if I, if I live anywhere else. But you know what? It doesn't matter. I mean, you compare it to any place like that and... You you really do understand how lucky you are to be in this housing market. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. But no, I'm doing well. We had bowling last night. Yeah, Lara said it went badly. Yeah, uh, for her anyway. No, it went bad for me. Yeah, too. it went. It went. I did not go. I was having kind of a stomach upset, so I stayed at home on the sofa and watched the Michigan primary. That was the extent of my evening. I was even more uninteresting and listless than normal. Uh, I haven't heard from Aaron about Cloverfield, but I heard from Scott Daly. Uh, and uh, from uh, a couple other people who saw it, and they said it was fantabulous. Really? Yeah, they said it was really good. So, um, you know, it remains to be seen. I'm going to try to watch it this weekend. Oh, sometime. I'm totally going to watch it this weekend. Uh, because it's one of those things where you got to see it before everything is revealed at the end, because apparently there's some... Because there's a, this big mystery enshrouding the monster in the film, so, anyway. I know, and I'm afraid I'm going to be looking on the Internet and see it. Now, see, that's I've just stayed away. Anytime I see Cloverfield news, pictures, websites, discussions, reviews, anything, I just click it. I don't even read it. Uh... All right. What else? Oh, yeah. Richie has uh, rustled up that that audio of the Girls Gone Wild DVD in which the guy claims to hear Richie's voice off camera. I think it has to be Richie because he's being so... <laughs> because um, he doesn't want to do it. Because he's because it took me like three days of nagging him to get him to give us the, the sound. You know that it's him because he's, like, he's very hesitant. He just wants you to forget about it. And did he show you his New York gangster look today? Oh, God. No. Yes. All right. Wait. Hold on. Before we do anything else. Oh. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's quite pungent. Oh, man. Wow, really? What? He was like, I'm a thug, yo. <laughs> did he really say that? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I'm a New York gangster. Please tell me you did not identify yourself uh, as, a, as a thug this morning. Not thug, yeah, kind of. Not did you say gangster? It really no, does look like you. You really do look. You look like. Um, like what's he's going to whack somebody? Yeah, what's, yeah, what was his name in the last season of The Sopranos? Vito? 
yeah, you look at you do uh, now it was it wasn't it Vito Vito Spadafore that's exactly what you look like you look like Vito Spadafore <laughs> I mean without the big motorcycle boyfriend but I mean wow <gasps> oh doesn't yeah. he doesn't he doesn't it dress exactly like Vito all you need to do is kind of waddle like your pigeon toad and you'd be him <laughs> and be off like it'd be off eating Johnny Cake somehow Johnny somewhere Cake. at a diner oh. anyway. Yeah, you look like you're about to go do, like, collections on somebody who's late for his numbers payment or whatever. <laughs> this is exactly... Here, picture this coming out of Richie's mouth. This is what Richie would be saying right now. It's a nice business you got here. Be a shame if something would have happened to it. That's exactly what you're at uh, your dress desk today. I can see more with the Johnny Cake. Now, do you... I mean, do you have, like, sort of themes when you put together your outfit every morning? He does. You know that it's... Did you... He goes brand. Like, was, is that all the same brand? Was Philadelphia Enforcer sort of the look you were going for today? I don't know. All right. It's the New York look. Nah. and I did have to have a talk about his socks last night, though, at oh, bowling. God. Please tell me that you were changing your socks at least once a day. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, they're clean, but he wears these white, scrunchy, like, huge athletic socks. Even, I bet you're wearing them today. Are you wearing them with your black dress shoes? <laughs> with black shoes, really? Oh, God. See, this is what I'm talking about. Even I know you don't do that, and I'm a retard. Oh. Yeah, you don't wear those white socks with those. You're not Elwood Blues. <laughs> All right, well, I'm fine. Uh, so you have given us the audio of this Girls Gone Wild DVD. It's cleaned up. There's no profanity, no, no whatever. Profanity. All right. And so this is the scene that the guy thinks is your voice off camera. Yeah. All right. I so think we'll, so. All right. Uh, we'll play that here in a while. All right. Mr. Skin today, 1.30, and Brian Wheat from Tesla, 1 o'clock. Okay. And then tomorrow, the Inquirer woman? Yeah, and Tram. Oh, and the Tram ride tomorrow. <gasps> Damn. Yeah, I forgot about that. I totally forgot about that. Okay. Well, we got to make it up because that guy was nice enough to reschedule. So tomorrow, 4 o'clock, Tram ride. All right. All right. Well, Jesus. All right. Okay. Thank you, Richie. Thank you. All right. Um... So just just a couple of brief notes here, and then and we'll get to do. I will read a couple of news stories before we even break today because there's some stuff that just that simply cannot wait. Um, I do want to tell you this. So everybody heard the story on uh, whatever it was Monday about how uh, Lara was halfway to work and a and a tire went out on the back of the truck because a bunch of thugs had gone up and speaking of Virginia, a bunch of thugs had gone up and down my street Sunday night Monday morning or Saturday night Sunday morning whatever it was slashing tires up and down my street. And it turns out that they hadn't in, they hadn't just let the air out. They had, in fact, slashed tires. Like, they had taken a full-on, like, knife blade and just cut the tires on cars all up and down my street. So they had gotten one of the tires on our forerunner, but it hadn't been all the way through. Like, it hadn't completely leaked. And I think it's because they'd been scared off by the motion-sensing light in front of my house. And so Lara had gotten about halfway to work. And the tire had gone out. So that's this weekend. So I get off the air yesterday, Tuesday. I get off the air, and uh, you know I don't bring my cell phone down to the studio with me because it's going to ring and be distracting, and then I'll obsess over it and whatever. So I get off the air yesterday. I go upstairs. I get my cell phone, and I look, and there's a text message from my wife, and it just says, it's just the F word over and over. It just is like, F, 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 F. God damn it, F. And that's all it was. And, of course, that's... Well, you don't even want to call back at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, it would, there was no description, no explanation. There's no sort of elaboration as to what might be wrong. Just the F word repeatedly. So with trepidation in my heart and a tremor in my fingers, I call my wife, and she picks up the phone, and I say, Hi, uh, what seems to be the problem? And she was out driving around yesterday, and a goddamn another tire on the Forerunner went out. And apparently what it was is they investigated later, and someone had... On that same night over the weekend, someone had cut one of the other tires, and it just hadn't gone through, and it had been slowly working its way towards, like, exploding this whole time. So, 
So, yeah, the, the, the fallout from this Saturday's uh, melee on our street continues. So she's on the road like yesterday doing whatever. She's out and about town. Yet another tire goes out. She has to get the truck towed uh, to the tire place where they then jack us for like $280 for new tires. So it's just that truck, is. I can tell you right now. She has already made the decision that that, tr- that, that truck's gone. I-, I will guarantee you this. If we mm-hmm. still own that truck in three months, I will be astounded. I mean, did you ever, it's like sometimes you can just tell when somebody has made the decision. It's like sometimes you can tell when somebody's about to dump their boyfriend or girlfriend. Like the switch has closed in their head. They have just already filed him under things to get rid of. Uh, so my wife has done with, with our truck. I, she has just associated so many know, bad dropped, things. She was talking about it last night, and she just dropped so much money on fixing the tires. I think you either might get a ra- rid of it immediately or keep that for the rest okay. of your life. I think we just have so many bad associations with that truck. It's been stolen three times. It's had two blown tires. Uh, I mean, the, 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 power, the, the power steering fluid leaks constantly, so you have to fill the steering fluid about every week, or it just becomes impossible to turn. You have to sit there, and you have to, like, you, you almost have to brace one of your feet against the floor and, like, lean against the door to get the wheel to turn sometimes. You have to put a club on the thing every time you're going to be away from it for more than 30 seconds so it doesn't end up being dumped in Beaverton by crackheads. I mean, it, it really is like, it is the nexus of all evil and irritation in this world. So, anyway, so you got that. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that, and uh, let me just read a couple of uh, brief news items here, uh, and then we'll take a break. Um, I'm just going to read this so we don't have to dwell on it later. I was on TMZ last night. Let me just tell you first and foremost, I don't really care about Matthew McConaughey all that much, except to say, you know, sometimes you can just sense when someone is just a stoner, hippie, pothead, granola cruncher. And they always have a particular way of talking. They have a particular way of phrasing things or putting things when they speak. Woody Harrelson also does this. And Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey are somehow weird twins inside my head. I don't know what I it totally is. I totally see that. Do you see what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, though? Like, Matthew McConaughey, for some reason, I don't know why. It's like he and, he and Woody Harrelson in my head are almost indistinguishable from one another. And they're completely different generations. They're different types of actors. They became famous in different ways. But I, it's like they're, some, they're somehow like weird peas in a pod. So we've got this from uh, from TMZ. Matthew McConaughey announced on his website today that his girlfriend, Camilla Alves, is pregnant with his child. Here's a phrase that you ought not use when describing the fact that you and your beloved are going to have a baby. McConaughey wrote, quote, and I mean, maybe I'm a prude. Maybe I'm... Maybe I'm just squeamish about such things for some... I don't know. For, for the, maybe it's just me. But I think Sarah will find this cringe-inducing as well. McConaughey wrote, quote, My girlfriend Camilla and I made a baby together. Ew. Dot, dot, dot. It's three months growing in her womb. (laughs) That's not growing. That's growing. My girlfriend Camilla and I made a baby together. It's three months growing in her womb. We are stoked and wowed by this miracle. He is stoked and wowed. Um, And then right below that, we have uh, David Spade, who uh, allegedly now is the father of, uh, let's see, the father of, let's see, Miss Playboy March 2005's child. Just and this, I have nothing snarky to say about this. I have no, I mean, no way am I going to make fun of David Spade. Do you want to know how you handle a potential public relations crisis? Here's how you do it. This is a, you can file this away. How to respond to things in the news in a way that will not make you look like a tool. Says TMZ has learned that 22-year-old Playboy playmate uh, Jillian Grace is claiming that David Spade is the father of her unborn child. 
she's uh, claiming she had a relationship with a comedian, resulting in her becoming pregnant. Spade tells TMZ, this is exactly how you handle it. Simple, sweet, to the point. He doesn't do it through a, a publicist. He doesn't do it through a rep. He says, quote, I had a brief relationship with Jillian Grace. If it is true that I am the father of her child, then I will accept responsibility. That's End of genius. statement. Right there. Done. End of story. I love that guy. All right. Uh, let's see what else. Um, quick birthday note. This is from Travis in Southeast Portland. Rick, we were just talking about teenagers uh, yesterday. Rick, I turned 18 today, and I wanted to say thanks for giving me a good year and a half of radio programming to listen to. All hail AM 970. Uh, thank you, uh, Travis. Sent during school hours, by the way. Um, let's see. Um, and finally, the guy who dropped off the tooth tunes, toothbrushes yesterday. I used mine this morning. I didn't. I left mine at work. Oh, it was really fun. He says, uh, just wanted my way of saying thanks for entertaining me since 2002. By the way, tell Tim I'm sorry I didn't bring a tooth tunes toothbrush for him. Since Tim's life is shrouded in secrecy, I have no idea what kind of music he likes. Besides, it would probably just be stolen as he rides the death train home. So there you go. That's, uh, that's from Greg. All right. As a matter of fact, it isn't stolen. You even gave me an iTunes card today. I did. Yes. No, that was, uh, I think TiVo sent that to Lara and I, and we no longer use our iPods. So, uh, all right. We have iPod fatigue, Tim. Oh, is that we're what moving, We're moving back to music radio. Uh, let's see Miss here. Miss those live disc jockeys? I, I do. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, I just wanted to corroborate your uh, theory of Matthew McConaughey. Uh, I read in an, uh, an article in a magazine one time that he said he does not now nor has he ever worn deodorant. Wow. So, really? That's got to be pleasant. He kind of looks like a guy uh, that wouldn't wear deodorant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, in all of his movies, he never wears a shirt, so what's the point? Yeah, I mean, I, I know he's you know he's handsome and all. He just looks like he smells. That's the thing. And he <laughs> looks like he wears a lot of sort of like macrame, weird hemp weave clothing. Yeah, Woody Harrelson style. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Bye now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Is this me? Are you saying this ironically? Um, well, yeah. Okay, hi. Uh, just wanted to pick and knit. You alleged that your forerunner would be stolen by crackheads and be dropped in Beaverton. Yeah. This is Chad in Beaverton. There's no way that would happen here in Beaverton. You and I both know the crackheads would be dropping your forerunner off in Gresham. Well, that's... Hi, I John. Mean... Okay. I don't even really know what the point of that call was. Hi, you're on the hey, Rick Emerson man. Show. Hello. 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 Ah, sorry. Hi. Uh, yeah, I just want to let you know I dropped off that Hanna-Barbera CD at the front desk. Oh, dude, I got that. Uh, thank oh, you so good, much. Good, what, good. What, is, what is your name, sir? Thatcher. Uh, yeah, Thatcher. I uh, I did get that. In fact, let me make sure that it's... Uh, I, I have now uh, all 92 tracks. Let me hold on. Just... Yeah, there awesome. we go. Uh, I have now this Hanna-Barbera CD that was dropped off by you. Let me just... Right there. That's... Uh, so I have I have 92 tracks <laughs> of uh, Hanna-Barbera sound effects. We're going to play all 92 of them later today. Wonderful. Thank you, sir. Hey, you know what's great? Uh, Put that randomly in your CD player. You got a multi-changer. Maybe no in between songs you get sound effects. Maybe the next time my uh, my neighbors irritate me, I'll just put my speaker up to the wall and put that on in, on repeat and just leave for a day or two. Of course. All right. Thank you. You're thank good, you. you're doing the Lord's work. All right. Uh, well, we should break here. We'll come back with CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Oh, by the way, uh, you know, we do a lot of giveaways here. We're giving away Jackass 2.5 this week. Also, um, I think we're giving away copies of this movie called Blonde and Blonder, which I've never heard of. 
It stars Denise Richards and Pamela Anderson, though, so how can we not give it away? It's a straight-to-DVD movie with Pam Anderson and, and Denise Richards, so we're going to be giving that away. Here's something it, that we got offered that we will not be giving away. We will not be giving away the new Bratz movie, Bratz Kids Fairy Tales. In stores February 26th, which is where Chloe, Jade, Sasha, and Yasmin play Rapunzel, Snow White, Little Red Riding Hood, and Cinderella. So in, at no time in the future ever will we be giving away the Bratz uh, Fairy Tales DVD, just in case you were wondering about that. We'll take a break here. We'll come back after this. Lisa Desjardins, Tim Riley, uh, Mr. Skin, Brian Wheat from uh, Tesla, all that on the way. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Absolutely know what they're doing there. What is it, you know, you know the other movie that's like that? Uh, I don't even know if we should talk about this on the air. I don't even, is this going to oh. sound so unbelievably weird? No. Well, have no, you seen no. that picture of her, like, hugging the teddy bear and then holding the gun? In The Professional? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like with Natalie Portman? Oh, yeah. It's like one of the promo pictures of the film. That's just nuts. Okay. I just. It does sound wrong. You're right. No, I, but I mean, clearly that's the filmmaker's intention. I apologize that Lisa's been holding us to hear this whole awkward discussion. We were just talking about, uh, during the break, about Thora Birch. And Scarlett Johansson and da 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 da. We talk about the movie Ghost World because Brad Renfro's dead and whatever. Um, and I was talking about Sarah's never seen Ghost World. And I'm saying you got to see Ghost World. And it's great, even though I do love Thora Birch. It's great because of Steve Buscemi. And there is this weird relationship between Steve Buscemi, who is you know 30 something, and Thora Birch, who I think plays a 16 year old. And it's this weird, like there's no sex. It's platonic, but it is there's this weird platonic sexual tension. And you said the same thing happens in Juno. Between Jason Bateman and whatever that girl's name is, that was in Juno. very. It was very uncomfortable. Like it's not, it's not sexual, but it does make you. But there's the tension. You can totally feel it. And like, and see, and that's not an accident. Like you, you, you were saying that it's especially weird for guys to watch movies where that happens. But you know, the filmmakers obviously know what they're doing. I mean, that's they clearly create that as part of the thing. And the best example ever of that weird platonic, strange like tension though is in the professional. Uh, the Luc Besson film, um, which uh, I think actually just came out in, in a sort of recut, like a director's cut of it, it just came out. It's a French film. Uh, but, uh, and I forget the guy's name who plays um, who, who plays um, the hitman, but it's this hitman who essentially adopts Natalie Portman, and God, she's like 12 or something? Yeah. Like and there, it's like this totally weird, creepy, like intimate, platonic it's. It, I mean, it does sound really creepy even now for us to be talking about it, but clearly that was what Luc Besson was going for, is where there's almost this like weird like emotional kind of incest thing yeah, happening. That yeah, and there were Natalie Portman, who is, I think, like 10 or 11, and she's holding like a stuffed animal and pointing a gun, and they have clearly made her up to look like a little adult. I mean, it's kind of creepy. It is pretty creepy. I mean, it's a great film, but boy, is it creepy. Um, but, you know, and the thing is, it's always Natalie Portman. Because what is that? What is that Ed Burns film with Matt Dillon? Is it, she's the one? Beautiful girls. It's beautiful girls. Mm -hmm. Where she plays, and I think she was much older than this when she did it. But I, she played what a thirteen-year-old, and it, I think it's in Beautiful Girls where oh, yeah, she's, she's in the front yard. She's and... playing a thirteen-year-old, and I forget who the who the male lead is. It's not Matt Dillon. It's um some guy. I is don't think Dermot, it's Ed, Is it that Dermot Mulrooney? Mulrooney, maybe. I forget who it is. I'm not a big Ed Burns fan. Um, but uh, but Rosie O'Donnell's in that film and whatever. And there's this whole thing where she is playing a 13-year-old who is very, like, overtly flirting with this, like, adult guy. And, of course, they structure it. You know, the, the filmmakers have very carefully and very obviously structured the film 
uh, to make it as awkward for like everybody as possible because she doesn't she's not made to look like a 13 year old she doesn't play it like a 13 year old she plays it just like an adult and so and they don't tell you that until you're about half an hour into the film and so all you see is this cute girl flirting with this guy and then they let they pull you in with that and they go oh by the way she's 13 and you kind of go oh I mean it just and you feel like the filmmaker has just reached inside and kind of gone and sort of scrambled you inside a little bit it's all very awkward Professional's a great film though you really got to uh I mean, you really do have to, to see that. If you haven't seen The Professional, I really strongly uh, ur urge you to see that. What is that guy's name? It's going to bug me now. It doesn't matter. Uh, we'll get to, if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get your calls here in just a moment. Let us now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Are you thinking of Timothy Hutton? No. Is it Timothy Hutton and Beautiful Girls? It's Matt Dillon. No, no, no. Matt Dillon is the guy who drives. Timothy, He's in it. No, Lisa's right. Lisa's right. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think that's the guy you're thinking of. Okay, it is Timothy. Yeah, Matt Dillon's in it, but he plays the sort of blue-collar snowplow guy. Right, right yeah. exactly. He's, he plays the you know the the guy that can't do good but then does good. Right, right. The and thing. I do believe the beautiful girls is that not an Ed Burns film? Mm, Sarah, does I, it say that it's it a Ted Demi? Oh, Ted Demi directed it. Really? Yeah, I guess the writer is Scott Rosenberg. Well, never mind then. I guess it I seemed know. so much like one of those Ed Burns Brothers McMullen type films where it's the on. Does feel that way? You're right. Because Ed Burns has that one. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's he's successful, and I'm not. Uh, but he does have that one move he does where it's the you know the ragtag band of guy friends who are all late twenties, early thirties, usually Irish, often drunk. Uh, one of whom is thinking about cheating on his wife, one of whom gets a girl pregnant, one of whom doesn't know whether to leave this little town and see the world, you know, and one of whom is like working at a box-making factory. And that's like every Ed Burns film, you know? Don't get me wrong, he's got a niche, he, he does it well, he's successful, whatever, but that kind of, in that's why I thought Beautiful Girls was one of his movies, so... Anyway, uh, you're right about the professional, though. That's a fantastic movie. And it's, Leon is the name of it in French. If you if you get the actual French version, it is simply called Leon. In oh. America, it was called The Professional. Okay. And it unfortunately came out the same month as The Specialist with Sylvester Stallone and Sharon Stone. Oh, uh, no kidding. Which contributed to its failure because you said to people, hey, get that movie The Professional. And especially years ago, you would say that. And they go, oh, God, Sylvester Stallone. And that's The Specialist. Came out the same month. No kidding. Yeah. That's bad luck. The, uh... But I, uh, apparently there's a new director's cut of The Professional out, which is even more awkward for our Puritan American <laughs> eyes. So, All right. Uh, so speaking of awkward, let's talk about, as Tim Riley said this morning, uh, Mitt Romney having to learn how to smile last night for the first time as he won something. <laughs> so I don't mean to sound like a negative Nelly. Far be it from me to begrudge a man of victory in what is, as Hunter Thompson said, the fastest, meanest racetrack of them all. But I mean... He was born in Mas in in Michigan, and his his dad like ran the joint for a couple of years. So right, three term governor. I mean, really, would it have been astounding if he hadn't won? Right, that's the thing. It was it was really that would have been the big story is if he had lost. I think I think that would have been a bigger story. But he did win by nine points, and that was more than expected. So it, it's significant. He thirty nine percent for Romney, thirty for McCain. Uh, Mike Huckabee did. Uh, much less well than expected, I, I think. Uh, coming in with 16%, I, I think he was really expected to potentially compete there with the big dogs, but he was really had less than half what they did. I, I think here's what you're not going to hear the story of, though, uh, very often is, uh, let me count one, two, three, four, five. Rudy Giuliani, sixth place. <laughs> Behind yep. Ron Paul. 
Just above uncommitted. Behind Ron Paul. That's the sad thing. That's right. Beyond Behind Ron Paul and Fred Thompson did better oh. than Rudy Giuliani in Michigan. I mean, don't get, that one. Ne- I mean, neither one has that campaign, but Fred Thompson, those guys went out to vote for him. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, am, I have been maybe not a proponent, but I've tried to understand Giuliani's maybe doing like a, a rope-a-dope kind of a thing. I mean, you know what I mean? Staying right. on the ropes, letting everybody punch themselves out, and then he comes off, uh, you know, and knocks out Foreman. I, fine. If that is indeed his strategy, I got to tell you, man, it's either going to look really, really brilliant when it works, or he is going to be written about as colossally inept. Right. It'll be. It will be the Giuliani strategy. People will, you know, sure, lambaste him for for a long time to come. I mean, the, the thing is, it's just not turning for him, and then his numbers in Florida are not there yet. They're going down. Actually, they're going down. He's he's really got a problem, and and it, it's just not working. But you know, there's there's there still is some time, Florida is uh, two weeks, essentially, and uh, maybe, maybe he could do something. I don't know. I, uh, so let's talk a little bit about, well... South Carolina? Well, and I was just going to say, from if you are uh, on the Democratic side, in fact, the Daily Kos, I know, they had to, at the Daily Kos, they were running this, they were urging people, actually, uh, who were either independent or Democrat, to go to the polls and vote for Romney, because they wanted to continue to, to split the party up. Um, so you got three different, uh, you know, votes at, at this point. You got Iowa, you got New Hampshire, and you got Michigan, where it's Huckabee, McCain, and Romney, respectively. Right. So if you're a Democrat, that's really good, right? Because it means that it's still anybody's game, even more so than it is on the Democratic side. Yeah, potentially. You know, I think that's one way of looking at. It. I think it really doesn't mean anything. Obviously, the, the Republicans will come up with some candidate, and and that's really what Democrats need to pay attention to. However strong that candidate ends up being, I don't think right now. This Republican race has substantially weakened any of these guys as a November candidate, but the Democrats, however, have managed to potentially weaken some of their candidates for November with this sort of race war. And we don't have to get into that because the whole thing was just messy and awkward, and to me it shows that um, the Clinton camp is much more thin-skinned and much more defensive right now than they need to be. They, you know, they really have a lot going for them. You could even say they really have the edge on Barack Obama, but it was clear that you know they were going out on the attack. They were saying, "Oh, he's no Martin Luther King." That's that's essentially what they were trying to say. You know, he can't compare himself to those civil rights leaders. You know, and those civil rights leaders needed help, by the way. They needed, you know, President Johnson to sign the Civil Rights Act. But I, I think what this shows, it just shows how thin-skinned they are. I think Hillary Clinton, I think she's got a no-brainer here. All she does is she has to say, Barack Obama, he is very talented, he's very bright, he has a fantastic message, but maybe he's not ready yet. Maybe maybe right. eight years from now. Just say, you know what, he can run for president later. You know, get that message out there, and I think I think she'd do well. But instead, they're kind of bringing out the claws, and it shows their style of leadership. Well, I was just going to say their you, style of campaigning. But do you suppose that they just can't help themselves? That I mean, that is it feels like yeah uh, that both because of uh, Bill Clinton's long you know political uh, career before this, and especially because of the eight years they endured in the sort of bunker like White House. Uh, do you suppose that it is just that it is just so reflexive in them to just go for the knee? Yes. I mean, they just can't help right. themselves. And, you know, they contributed to the bunker-like atmosphere in Washington. You know, it's, it's chicken and egg. You know, they were a part of it, too. It, you know, it, it was done to them and done by them. 
so it it's it's you know it's not cut and dry there but right i do i think the, this this is this shows what their political muscles look like and they are it's all all that reflex uh, sort of attack, counterattack. Not to get overly philosophical about it this early day, but I suppose that there will be literally some some book written about this campaign later because in ways that are both sort of depressing and sort of inspiring. I and I hate to just be another guy bringing up the the, the you know the, the race issue because it's, it does seem on the one hand like really as uh, as just a you know human beings we ought to just be past it at this point and just be able to move on. But clearly not everybody's on the same page. And there's always uh, certain sections of the populace or the country who have to be dragged kicking and screaming into the civilized world. So, sadly, it does remain a little bit of an issue. But it, it's strange to see how Hillary and Obama are handling it. It's, it, it, it. it's like this weird sort of a sticky wicket where neither of them, neither camp really seems to know how to address it or how yeah. to minimize it or maximize it or whether to put it in the forefront or the background. I think that's exactly right. I think they're both being very awkward about the whole whole thing, and it's too and it's so strange because it really is a potential strength for both of them, a huge strength. But yet they're 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 awkward about it, you know. And I, I I'm not sure why that is. And I think, for example, Barack Obama really hasn't been bringing up his own civil rights work in Chicago, you know, which is really where he comes from politically. That's really where he he sprang out of being a civil rights organizer in Chicago. And, and I mean, that's not really coming up. <clears throat> Hillary Clinton in the you know, Clinton machine has such a long history, you know, of of civil rights work, and and that's not really coming up. Instead, they're going after each other, and they're and they seem awkward. <clears throat> they seem like people who are not sure. Do I call them blacks or African American? Right. right. You know, it, it's it's that weird area, and I, and it's it's beyond me. I, I think you're right. Uh, just as it's fine. Hold on, I'll let, I'll let you go because you're uh, I know you, you sound a little scrapey uh, vocally today. <laughs> a little uh, bit. So I don't want to tax your your voice any more than we have to. But the final, and we're getting way way ahead of ourselves with this question. And by we, I mean me. Perfect. And by this question, I mean this. If if they continue to to pull the way they are, in other words, where it's it's Hillary and Obama neck and neck, and then everybody else uh, and the rest, as Gilligan's Island would say, mm. um, if the Democrats really honestly want to finally win something, I mean, if they want to recapture the White House, aren't they uh, just on on the page? Just aren't the mathematics of this enough to demand a Hillary Obama ticket? I mean, they, don't they just have to? I don't think so. I hate to. I, I know. I, don't, I feel like I'm bursting your bubble here. No, it just okay. seems like they they both have so many in their camp that they would be fools to. It seems like the math of it is such that they have to do that. I think the only situation under which that happens, first of all, is if Hillary is the nominee. It, it, it just doesn't seem. You, it's very. It's it's impossible for me to imagine her being the vice presidential nominee. That, right. You know that may be. It may be possible, but I I don't see it at all. Uh, but if she's the nominee, she asks Obama to be vice president. Maybe. I don't know. I don't see it. I think that they're going to play more carefully. Both of them are seen uh, by Republicans and moderates as being more liberal, even though Hillary Clinton has moved to the middle. So they don't want two liberals on a ticket. They don't want two northerners. Hillary Clinton from Illinois. Now she's in New York. So they've got the northern part of the country. I, I just think the, the political balance isn't there on that ticket, even though the excitement for Democrats is there. But you, I don't think you're adding a lot of excitement with both of them. You've got excitement potentially about either of them. I don't think you're adding a lot with both. I think you're losing in November by putting them both on the same ticket. Really? Okay. But, but you know, I could, I could be wrong. And I think the thing is that Obama is so strong 
leading with his own message. I think he's not as strong as a vice presidential candidate. I think he, he is strong as someone who is different, someone who has not been in Washington all that long. But if he's vice presidential candidate with Hillary Clinton, he has to go along with sort of her uh, kind of – I don't know, her mojo, for lack of a better word. And I, I, I think she, she just doesn't have that same vibe. So I, I just don't think, I don't see it. And I suppose at this point, a lot of weight is going to come down on where Edwards throws his endorsement when he inevitably drops out. Well, yeah, gee, as if, as if people can't guess where he's, who's, which, which direction he's right, going to go. Right. The Edwards people just truly believe in their gut that uh, another Clinton presidency would be a large mistake. They right. really think this is just a continuation of all the problems in Washington. All right. Uh, go tend to your voice, my friend. Okay, I will. Uh, we will speak to you at some point in the near future. Have a great day, Lisa. All right, you too. All right, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Wonderful. Excellent. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Um, well, two things, I guess, now. Yes. Um, Hillary, I just don't. She's so controlling, I just don't really see her taking second seat. Yeah, I don't either, but you know what's funny is I was talking to some people the other day who said the same thing about Obama. Uh, it was that Court and Fatboy from KUFO. We were sitting there really? chewing the political fat, and they were just saying that, they, that he's such an alpha that, that they can't see him being VP. And frankly, I don't see that. I don't see Barack Obama as being the big alpha leader that everybody else does. But I you're I right that I can't. About him. I just can't see Hillary being second to anybody. There's just no, no not way. At all. No. <laughs> and then also, uh, you said you had that brats thing. You know, a lot of yes. us have families. Yes. Well, that's that's your problem. We're not going to make it ours. I uh, no. We have we have. Well, let me. Okay, hold on. Let me read you the entire description, and Tim and Sarah can listen to this oh, too. I know. We My can... daughter has a couple of them. Can I ask you this? And just as and, it, and I say this as a man who has no children, don't have to plan plan to have children. Kids huh? kids don't like me. I don't like them. It all works out that way. <laughs> so I'm not telling you how to raise your kids, and I'm really not. And I also don't want to sound like an old guy who says, oh, there's two kids with their rock and roll and their YouTube and their funny haircuts these days. <laughs> but, I mean, don't you find that the Bratz dolls look a little bit like, what's the word, whores? Well, a little bit, yeah. But my daughter's not really influenced by clothes yet. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's basically you're gonna stick with that you know, story? bland, non I do have a woman here in the studio who can tell you that you're wrong, by the way. <laughs> How old is your daughter? Ten. Ten? Oh, please, dude. You're living in denial. You're telling me your your daughter isn't influenced by clothes or television well, or fashion? Why do you think she wants the freaking dolls in the first place? She doesn't really play with them. I'm just saying, There's a, what, who's, whose idea she was it to, to buy them? the videos. Uh -huh. Oh, my wife. Okay, I'm just saying. Well, you know they dress all those characters, you know, to make oh. her want to dress like that. All right. Oh, There's probably a yeah. line of Brat's clothing uh, on the way. They do even look all like stylish, little Brat's dolls. I'm not. I mean, again, I don't really care, and I'm not saying that the dolls are going to make your girl into a streetwalker or anything. <laughs> I'm just saying they do look a little slutty. That's all. They I mean, turn our they youth into whores. Really What's yeah. that? They turn our youth whores into with whores. a Z. Somebody should yeah. totally do a knock-up line <laughs> called sluts with a Z instead of Brat. I think you already have this idea. Did I? Yeah. Here we go. Here's the here. Okay. Here's the uh, here's the uh, uh, whatever the uh, the blurb for Bratz Kids Fairy Tales in stores February 26th. The Bratz Kids made a promise to their school principal to put on a fairy tale showcase at their school. The Bratz, Chloe, Jade, Sasha, and Yasmin, will play Rapunzel, Snow White, Little Red Riding Hood, and Cinderella. But the reality is their hearts are not in it. The Bratz girls feel that the fairy tale heroines are not strong-willed characters and that the Bratz kids are better equipped to handle the misadventures in the land of make-believe. 
That is, until a little frog appears and zaps them into fairy tale land. There, the Bratz kids must prove that they can handle things better than the original characters, but quickly realize it's not so easy to battle characters such as the big bad wolf and evil stepmothers. By working together as friends, they are able to get through each story and overcome every obstacle as a team. The trip to Fairyland gives them newfound appreciation for classic characters they portray. The kids soon agree that it isn't right to judge others until you walked a mile in their glass slippers. Oh, Lord. <laughs> now, I'm going to put this on you, sir. If you can honestly, seriously, sincerely tell me that you think we ought to give this DVD away... I'm going to let you make the decision for CBS Radio Portland right now. So here's the thing. I'm going to give you a couple seconds to think about this. I want you to decide, sir, whether or not we ought to be giving away this DVD. You just take a few seconds. It's on you. Now, keep in mind, there's no guarantee that you'll actually win one. Oh, I understand. Do you believe we ought to be giving this DVD away? Well, for me personally, no. But for a kid's sake, sure. For kids' sake. For kids' sake. It's for the kids. Yeah, Yeah, how much have you scored mentally retarded kids out of now? Like $5,000? $4,329. Okay. Thanks to Seamus for keeping that updated every single day, by the way. Every day. The parade of my shame. All right, we'll we'll give those away, uh, I don't know, next month, I think. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Jerk. All right. <laughs> well, let's take a break. We'll come back with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, coming up later on, uh, Brian Wheat from Tesla will join us on the phone. Uh, let's see what else. Mr. Skin coming up today. Snuff Watch and uh, all that. We continue around the corner. Stay with her. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. See but this guy who was given a forcible rectal exam? Yes, it's in my stack. Fantastic. It's in your stack. <laughs> You're soaking in it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The woman who strangled the porn store janitor hitman to death gets an award for heroism. Well done. We talked about this a few months ago. Congratulations. That lady who killed, apparently her husband, had hired this porn store janitor to kill his wife. He was going to get $50,000, but he gets nothing now because he's dead. In your face. And his wife strangled this guy to death. The guy, uh, let's see, his name was Edward Happy. He was an employee of as a janitor in an adult bookstore. Uh, so, so he wanted to move up in the world and become a hitman. I was just going to say, how many wrong decisions do you have to make in your life before you end up mopping up at a porn store? Mm-hmm. I mean, really, honestly. And do you just wear, like, a full-on biohazard suit when you do that? Or, I mean... Well, we'd like to ask him, but he's no longer around. <laughs> I mean, really, insert clerk's reference here, but, I mean, Jesus, that's the worst job on earth. I can't think of a worse job. I mean, I'm sure there is one. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think I'd rather clean out the the, the restroom of a rendering plant uh, than be cleaning out porn booths after the customers have departed. Well, they were trying to give him a chance to move up in the world. <laughs> Would you like to move on to kill him? So this woman's uh, husband, Michael Kuhnhausen, 
Uh, pled guilty in September to conspiring to commit murder. How do you even hook up with a porn store janitor to do that? Like, hey, porn store janitor, want to make some extra money? I mean, it, it, but I mean, is how that... is it that the husband came to find this guy who cleaned up at a porn store to be the hitman? Why I, would I you... guess he worked for and him. And of all of the people... No, yeah. wait, did the guy, did I, the I believe, husband own that, a porn shop? I believe he, he was a manager of some sort. Oh, okay. Did you see, was it fantasy video? And I don't mean the not fantasy, because they were, I think at one point, an advertiser, and we have uh, some friends who work there and whatnot. And, uh, actually, now that I think about it, I know like three people who work at fantasy video. Wait, our friend Autumn worked there. Uh, my friend Trish works there. Uh, so it, it's somebody else, it some other person. So I, we have a lot of, we're not trying to pass judgment on the porn industry. Uh, we, have, we, and if you count Timmy Ryan, we know like probably half a dozen people who work in the porn industry in some weird, some way. That's kind of odd. Um, what was my point? Oh, but there was some story the day where like some guy who manages a fantasy was being accused of misusing company funds by just like using the, taking money out of the till to buy whores or something. Um, mm. But, I mean, well, whatever. Okay, so the, the moral is if you're going to hire a hitman, don't make it a janitor at a porn store. Uh, the man surprised the woman in her home September 2006 and hit her in the head with a claw hammer. Surprise! And of course, this woman was hard-headed. She wrestled him to the ground and choked him to death. Excellent. Well done. Uh, this woman is a peace-loving woman and has demonstrated a very calm and assured composure throughout this uh, arduous event, said the police. Good for her. So, therefore, Susan, congratulations. You win the Civilian Medal of Heroism. From the uh, Portland Police Bureau, she's one of 85 civilians and police officers who will be recognized for heroism, life-saving skills, or distinguished service to the Portland Police Bureau. Uh, so, congratulations. I don't know what she's doing these days. We should send her some sort of a gift basket or a fruit or something. Hammer. Yeah. So, <laughs> so good for her. And uh, I guess she has the household to herself now that her husband's in prison. <laughs> Excellent. So, win, win, win. Win, win, win. Uh, then we have this uh, Clatsop County Japanese police dog stabbed by a suicidal man with a nine-inch needle. Uh, apparently, they responded to a report of a suicidal person who was dropped off at a campground. That's what everybody wants to think about. Good, clean family fun at the campground. Let's let's just drop off some potential murderers there. I'm gonna kill myself. Hold on. Let's. Uh, we'll drop you off here. Can you get? Can you? What if they were just driving along and he pulled out the needle and announced his intention to start stabbing and they just said, "Hold on, let me just let me pull over to the shoulder here." Well, you can. Do the rest on foot. Deputy McCoy and his canine partner found 52-year-old James Stewart off an abandoned logging road. Uh, apparently, this na man, whose name is Annette, uh, told McCoy that he wanted the deputy to shoot him. So he pulled out the needle and began stabbing himself. When the police dog bit Annette, he allegedly stabbed the dog with a needle. That's bad. Then McCoy tackled Annette, who stabbed the deputy three times with a needle. Oh, oh. man, a nine-inch needle. Yeah. Here's a question. And I know that we... That we but the dog did bite the guy on the shoulder and the legs. So and the dog's fine? Dog, uh, well, the dog is recovered? No, they don't know yet. It's uh, still too early to tell. Well, but I mean... But it's just a needle. Yeah. I mean, unless the needle was infected with something, unless it was, you know, poison or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, a needle's not going to be a lot of fun, but I mean, there's only so much damage a needle can do. I suppose. Unless you stab it right in your brain or something. Um, but here's a question. Why do they have a nine-inch needle in existence? Think about it. I mean, okay, not that. Not I, I to be... think the one they stick in your mouth is about that. Okay, my pregnant friend Summer has to get hormone shots, and I guess the, her needle is like. I was just gonna say because Sarah, like, to not to be gruesome, but like, if I was to go in the front of you and out the back of you, that's not nine inches. That's still only like what six or what something, however many it is. I mean, it's not nine certainly. Why do they still have needles? Yeah. At all? I don't. Well, because Maybe they have to inject stuff. It's for but... like a different direction. Maybe instead of going in, it goes like. Like, like parallel, parallel to your leg. Yeah. 
Why would they ever have to go parallel to your leg? I mean, if you're like sliding it into, I don't know, like a vein or... But still, why wouldn't they just go straight in from the outside? I don't know. Maybe it must be for pregnant women. Or for like the, the large people of size, maybe. Yeah, they make huge toilet seats for big asses. <laughs> That's true, they do. Thank you for bottom lining it there with a with a blunt analogy. Oh, and speaking of that, <laughs> Mac seats are made for the posterior of someone like from 1960. Uh-huh. I mean, sir, I, I ended up riding home like on an angle, a 45 degree <laughs> angle last night because... You were next to a person of girth? Yes. The yes. same thing. I was. I rode the bus today and those seats are so tiny. I'm like trying to read a book overlap. sideways. <laughs> um, can I sit in here? No, they don't say anything. They just sit. Have you seen the people like put one butt cheek in either seat? <laughs> yeah. oh, and like, so and, like you, you're you're eating the material from somebody's elbow. <laughs> oh. and, and, just, and let me just and I can we here on the Rick Emerson program, we we're not big fans of physical contact with other people ever at all under any circumstances. Really, if we could all exist like the boy in the plastic bubble, I think we would all be very happy with that. I do that pretty. Uh, I pretty much adhere to that though. Yeah, I mean, I'm able to do it for many hours out of the day. Uh, but I, I, the, the the terrible thing is when you're sitting in one of those hard ass plastic bus seats and you're hating your life anyway because you're on the bus. And then somebody comes and sits down, and then it's like their thigh is rubbing against your thigh, and there's just oh, no. It's a and you're thing. and you're pulling, and and you do the thing of like pulling in and trying to like get up closer to the window, thinking that okay, this will give me space between my like butt cheek and theirs. But the thing is, you know, they're large, and so when you pull back and leave a space, they just sag in further and fill the space back up, and so then then you're just squashed and being rubbed up against. It's just all kinds of unpleasant, man. All right. A uh, 65-year-old Beaverton man has admitted he tried to kill a woman when he hit her in the head with a hammer at Fred Meyer. Uh, apparently, he asked the Washington County Circuit Judge to determine if he was insane when he attacked Sharon Wheel at random on May 12th of last year. He was charged with attempted murder assault and unlawful uh, weapon. Uh, he is in Washington County Jail, $250,000 bail. The poor woman suffered a fractured skull but has recovered. Uh, she's expected to do, uh, testify today. Uh, Paul Obrey of the Washington County Metropolitan Police Defender Office said this uh, person has been mentally ill for many years and feared that the Beaverton police were going to kill him. Why don't they just kill him? I, I don't, and, I don't know put the that answer. fear to rest. <laughs> we've we've come up with an answer for your problem. We've we've figured out a solution. Uh, Washington State troopers in trouble for putting on some old Oregon plates on his unmarked patrol car. Uh, some say he was trying to fool drivers into thinking he wasn't a trooper at all. One driver, I got a ticket from the trooper and then filed a complaint. So, uh, apparently, this uh, trooper is from Washington, and he's putting Oregon plates on his car. Uh, hello. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Hey. Good. Uh, I think you guys are missing something. The needle. What if it was a knitting needle? Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, does, those are about eight, nine inches long. They're does, thick and metal. Does it specify that it was a hypodermic needle? Or it we does already, not. No. We already shredded the story. No, the story's here, but it doesn't specify. All right. So, it could be a knitting needle. You are correct, sir. There you go. All right. Thank you. You're All welcome. Right, bye now. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Just coming home from his stitch and bitch session. American Gladiators is a hot new uh, television show, and if you watch Monday night's episode, you might have seen uh, a lady from Milwaukee, Monica Carson, strutting her stuff in the el- elimination round. I don't want to uh, see women from Milwaukee. She is one of 26 stuff. contestants vying for $100,000 in prize money. I know that everybody in the office is watching two things, Celebrity Rehab and American Gladiators. I'm going to watch Celebrity Rehab. Man, what's that? I'm going to watch that. Oh, man, I watched it last night. Boy, that's a singularly unpleasant show. Celebrity Rehab is 
I don't know that I'm going to continue watching it. It's really difficult to watch. I have to tell you this, and I don't care about people or like them in any way. I have no sympathy for anybody. Is Jeff Conaway nuts? Jeff Conaway is nuts, pathetic, sad, infuriating, annoying, uh, suicidal. I mean, it, 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 pick an adjective. It describes that guy. Mm. Jeff Conaway is the guy from Taxi. And he was also in Greece, wasn't he? Yeah. And uh, But just looks bad. At one point, he just begins weeping like a small child and something, something, blah, 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 cocaine, blah, 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 wah, wah. And, uh, you know, they got Dr. Drew. And it, it is a testament to Dr. Drew, by the way, that he, even though he clearly is just another fame-grubbing television, you know, spotlight-hogging doctor, that he somehow manages to not come off as that. I, it's a weird talent that he's got to somehow not come off like Dr. Phil. He's been around for like 20 years. I've yeah. been back to K-Rock in the 80s. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, I like Dr. Drew, but I mean... The danger in any one of those shows is you're just going to look like some fame-grubbing ass. And and Drew somehow comes off as as com- looking like an actual, like a concerned physician. Um, but, um, oh, man, but, you know, one of the, the guy on that show that you just root for his death, and I mean this sincerely. Do you remember that horrible band, Crazy Town? Do you remember them? They had that god-awful butterfly song. And he's some dick who only got a record deal because I think his dad ran the label anyway. Um, Anyway, and so he's on there, and he's talking about his cocaine addiction. And he's... Who cares? No one. Like that guy, did they ever have another hit? They never had anything else. No, they never had another hit, but he's still around. The only thing he has is his looks. That's it. And the thing about that show is, about celebrity rehab, is that... There are different levels. Like, you can already see who's going to get kicked off the show early and who's not. Because the deal is is that they don't kick them off by elimination. But the thing is that Dr. Drew kicks people off if they misbehave, if they have sex, if they get high, if they drink, if they do whatever. Who do not want to have sex with half these people? Uh, well, one of them is a porn star. Oh, so okay. there's that. Um, but, um, you know, but his thing is if you misbehave, you're going to go home. And you can already tell who's going to go home early because it's all like the lowest level celebrities, like this idiot from Crazy Town. Mm-hmm. And he's, he speaks, he's such a melodramatic dick. He speaks in bad poetry all the time. That last night he's like, well, I was given the gift of fame, but it came with the curse of cocaine. And he said it just like that. And you're watching the television just hoping for an overdose. You are just hoping that they find him in a pool of his own, a pool of his own dried like sputum the next day. Uh, but it's him, Daniel Baldwin who uh, comes off as a nice, if somewhat stupid guy. And you've got to wonder if you're Daniel Baldwin. You just wake up every day, and just the first thing you think of is how much you hate Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, I, I wonder if, you just, if, if any of the Baldwin brothers wake up and their first thought is, stupid goddamn Alec. I mean, they just detest him. There's Mary Carey, the porn star. There's uh, Jeff Conaway. He's clearly going to die soon. So anyway, American Gladiators, though, is another show everybody's watching, and I feel bad that I have not yet watched it because I used to watch it sort of back in the day when it was on in, in whatever, the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and apparently this new version is even better. Well, let's talk about uh, O.J. Simpson. He will be out of a Las Vegas jail after he posts a portion of his newly increased bail. Uh, Clark County District Judge Jackie Glass doubled his bail amount to $250,000. The bail has to be raised at this point. It was one twenty-five. Uh-huh. It's now going to be $250,000. And it's going to be $250,000 cash for surety. Uh, Judge Jackie revealed he never paid any of his money to his bail bondsman toward his initial $125,000 bail. In fact, the bondsman had to put up the $40 himself. You heard it here today. I want the 15% posted, and then Mr. Simpson can get out of jail. Yeah, in your (laughs) face, O.J. Simpson. Is that what the uh, CNN guy was all upset about, that she was, was rude to O.J.? That she was rude and that he had to pay his own money instead of having somebody else pay for it. Don't they understand he's O.J. Simpson? I know it. 
Fantastic. I should offer him a weekend show. Hmm. And you could, we could team him up with somebody. Timmy Ryan. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, my God, Timmy Ryan is our go-to guy for all of those things now. Fantastic. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, I'll tell you about uh, Mitt Romney, who's a man who found out he can smile. He scored a crucial first-place finish in his state of Michigan yesterday, beating out John McCain. Stunning. Who won the state eight years ago. The former Massachusetts governor uh, said he was up, uh, upbeat for good reason. And the results of the Michigan primary are clear to everyone. Tonight marks the beginning of a comeback, a comeback for America. Okay. And he actually smiled. I didn't even recognize him. I suppose. I I just find it so hard to be, I mean, even interested in that guy. He just, it, it, he he seems like some sort of weird Westworld candidate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he just pulled down the faceplate. There's just a whole bunch of wires and blinking lights. It made my wife really happy, though, because she's thrown all of our household support behind Mitt Romney. So... Anyway, that is a good thing. Yes. And uh, Rudy Giuliani bit the dust last night. Yeah. Again. No, he can. He, I mean, I'm sure Dennis Miller talked about that at length this morning. I've been talking about it at length, to be honest, because I find Rudy, Rudy Giuliani's strategy to be pretty fascinating. Do nothing. I mean, that, but I mean, that's it. He really is. And I keep going to the Muhammad Ali analogy, but he really is doing uh, the rumble in the jungle of rope dope, where he's just laying against the ropes, letting him get the you know just the, 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 the sap beaten out of him. Uh, hoping that eventually everybody else will be punched out and then he'll come back at the last moment. And, uh, you know, man, the Onion newspaper came in the mail yesterday and the Onion had the best Rudy Giuliani stories. Rudy Giuliani runs for president of 9-11. Oh, I want to hear that. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Last night there was a Democratic debate at the same time and Barack Obama agreed to work with Hillary in the Senate to cut out the president's Iraqi plan. Well, I think, uh, you know, we we can work on this, Hillary. Because I, I don't think, you know, the, uh, we got unity in the Democratic Party, I hope, on, on this. They forgot John Edwards was sitting there, too. <laughs> Nobody even acknowledged his presence. No. Uh, then we have uh, moderator Brian Williams. He caught some heat when he spoke about where the Las Vegas debate was being held. We're back in Los Angeles for our final segment of our live debate coverage uh, tonight. <laughs> So there. Uh, so today we also have these uh, 911 calls, and you're going to hate these kids even more. No, wait. Oh, these are the kids who are uh, the, the, uh, the kids eaten by the tiger. Now, how many kids are there to begin with? Three. This is like a math problem. Three children go to the zoo. One is eaten by a tiger. Two. Two are eaten by the tiger. Are two dead? No. Yes. Yes. Are I you think. sure about that? One is dead. One is dead. I know for sure. One is maimed. One is maimed, and the other okay. And the other is okay. What percentage of the children were maimed? 33%. Where, where, well done, Tim Riley. Okay, so this is the 911 call of these kids who so, allegedly were taunting the animals mm-hmm. with a slingshot. Uh, so uh, let's see. Here is uh, one of the kids here telling the dispatcher this is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. Oh, okay. no, I understand that, but at the same time, we have to make sure the paramedics don't get chewed out because if the paramedics get hurt, then nobody's going to help them. Yeah. <laughs> Paramedics don't get chewed up. Right. I mean, these are just kids. They right. came looking for trouble anyway. Uh, let's see here. Uh, when the, This call came in at 5.06 p.m. A zoo employee is heard telling dispatchers that some men are reporting being attacked by the animal. I don't know if they're on drugs, but they're screaming about an animal that has um, attacked them, but there's no animal out. That's wonderful. So they're probably on drugs anyway. Yeah. In uh, <laughs> this uh, call, up on a, a dispatcher is uh, trying to get more information from a zoo employee after some men reported being attacked by an animal. Is the patient saying that he was bitten by an animal? 
It's saying that it's been by animal, but uh, there's no animal escape. Could this be crazy? Okay. Did what? Could be crazy. The animal. Yes, it's the animal that's crazy. Uh, in this call at 510, the zoo employees heard telling a dispatcher that the reports of a tiger escape are indeed accurate. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we have, we have a code one that said they have a tiger out. Okay. Got a tiger by the tail, it's plain to see. So here's that kid again, uh, asking a dispatcher if police are on the way. Can you call the cops already, too? The cops are already on the way. Okay. All right. I don't see anybody here within 10 minutes. I have not seen Okay, I understand that. All right. Tell your idiot friend not to taunt the animals next time. Don't drink vodka. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. They were drunk. Yeah. Uh, allegedly. Mm. Allegedly drunk and allegedly shooting at the animal with a slingshot, mm -hmm. which is allegedly asking for it. Yeah. All right. Well, you go... I mean, what can you do? Well, no. I mean, that's, you know, every once in a while, nature just takes out the trash. Mm -hmm. That is a self-regulating problem. Actually, they're quite generous. They spare two of them. <laughs> <laughs> they left one as a lesson to the others. Mm -hmm. Um... Hi, sir, madam, as the case may be. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hello, Tim and Sarah. Hello. Hello. Hi. I just wanted to bring up on the celebrity rehab show. Yeah. Um, the porn star, is she an African-American girl? No, Mary, no. And have you seen the show? No, no. I read online that the uh, porn star who was going to be on that show, it might not be the case, she yeah. was in Family Matters. Okay, well, let's back up. The porn star who's on Celebrity Rehab is Mary Carey. Who got oh, fame a couple ran for governor, ran for governor of California. California, and she's like a you know like a blonde blah 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 whatever blonde kind of chunky kind of slutty kind of hot uh, and uh, but Family Matters there wasn't a what porn star from what who from no, Family no, Matters was a porn star she wasn't a porn star while in Family Matters yeah, but I, afterwards I know but I mean the but who eldest daughter okay now I got to look it up the eldest yeah, I don't daughter, remember her name but now, she became it, a porn star now is afterwards. this a thing that you know is true or or yes. is this just a rumor that she became a porn star this is known to be true look on her if you find her name look on her oh, no, IMDB I, site no 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 I'm right here let's see here um let's see um da 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 um I'm looking here cancellation what what is what who what character did she play? It was one of the daughters, obviously. I don't know if it was the eldest or was there a middle one? Yeah, I don't know. I got to tell you, I, I watch Family Matters almost never. Okay. So yeah, that's the Urkel show, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's a thing that I chose not to. I did. I decided I didn't need that in my head. All right. Well, we'll look into it. But that was originally going to be her. Uh, that's that's what I read on the uh, internet. All right. We'll uh, we'll look into. It. All right. Thank you, sir. Best show ever. All right. Thank you. Here's Tim Riley. Well, in an effort to help uh, Senator Larry Craig, the ACLU is arguing that people who have sex in public bathrooms have an expectation of privacy. Uh, Craig is asking the Minnesota Court of Appeals to let him withdraw his guilty plea from the bathroom stay at the Minneapolis airport. The ACLU wrote that a Minnesota Supreme Court ruling some 38 years ago find that people who have sex in closed stalls in public restrooms have a reasonable expectation of privacy. Really? That means the state cannot prove that Craig was inviting an undercover officer to have sex in public. There was a court decision at some point about whether you can hump in a bathroom stall? Uh -huh. Here's the great thing, by the way, and I do mean this sincerely. I don't mean to be channeling the American president here. But that uh, is the great thing about the American Civil Liberties Union and who are uh, improperly disparaged and belittled by people who don't really understand it. Liberals? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm just saying. People, well, you know, this is all the fault of the ACLU. And Bill Clinton. <laughs> exactly. They're the same thing, really. <laughs> the idea, this is how great it is. Larry Craig, who, of course, is a closeted, self-hating Republican from Idaho, 
who is clearly just some huge bucktooth redneck, and yet the ACLU, which he probably despises, is actually coming to his defense, because that's what they do. Instead, the government cannot prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Senator Larry Craig was inviting an undercover officer to engage in anything other than sexual intimacy, and it would not uh, be calling attention to himself in a closed stall in a public restroom. I mean, the ACLU. that is what's great about the ACLU, is no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, no matter what sort of weird or strange or off-putting or vile behavior you're engaged in, the ACLU will defend your right to do it, even if you are someone who loathes the ACLU. So uh, suck that one. All right, here's Tim Riley. American Idol returned to television yesterday with its worst premiere in four years. Last night's ratings are down 13% from last year, down 10% from 2006. But it's not dead yet. It's the most watched show on television as of last night. However, the decline of viewership does not bode well for the aging show. So people just aren't watching that much of network television, apparently, at the present time. It's strange, too, because that was with the Writers Guild strike and all. Everybody was thinking that this would be the biggest American Idol year ever. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's like how... Uh, never mind. I there are other things on the television. I was just going to say, and, I, you know, it's kind of beating a dead horse for us to go on about how we don't watch American Idol. Wait a minute, how long can you watch a stupid talent show? I mean, how long can you sit there and watch a karaoke competition on television before deciding that... You know, like you've got better things to do with your life. People did for several years. I know, I know. They're they catch on eventually. Largely stupid. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How hey. you doing? What's up? Hey, the the Family Matters girl, was. it was the youngest, the girl who played the youngest daughter. Uh-huh. Uh, after, like, the first, second season, they realized that she was pretty useless and they didn't need her around anymore, so she just kind of vanished. But, I mean, what was her name? Because I, I, I didn't watch the show, and so without her name, it's going to be difficult to figure out who we're talking it, about. It was... Jamie, I believe, was her first. Jamie, time. Jamie Foxworth. Yes, Foxworth. Well, Jamie Fox, I let's that look wrong. right now. And uh, oh, here we go. Yeah, after she left the show, she became addicted to meth and then started doing really low rent porn. Well done. Um, let's see. Is an American actress who played the part of Judy Winslow, the youngest daughter, for four seasons of Family Matters. She later transitioned to adult films using the stage name of Crave. <laughs> With very little acting work coming after Family Matters, she battled alcoholism, depression, and destitution, prompted in part by a judge's ruling that her trust fund um, be used to save her family from bankruptcy. She switched to adult films, her pornographic career lasting less than two years and including only a small amount of appearances. So, uh, well done. Let's see here. Um, her films... Uh, this is so great. Okay, here's what's great. I love it when you look at a, at a celebrity, uh, like their filmography, and you can see the point at which uh, their life went off the rails. So here is her filmography. Um, and this I'm just going to read these chronologically. Family Matters, TV series, 89 to 93. Getting By, TV series, 99 to 94. Booty Talk 2, Super Fine Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> is that an after-school special? Yeah. Oh, and let's see. Uh, Black Dirty Debutantes and My Baby Got Back, Volume 29. Wonderful. Volume uh, 29, wow. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go. That's wonderful. All right, here's Tim Riley. Time for a clown watch. Uh, here's your clown watch for uh, Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This article's entitled, Don't Send in the Clowns. Here's some bad news for Coco and Blinko. Children don't like clowns, and even older children are scared to death of them. 
That news will no doubt have clowns shedding tears. It was revealed in a poll of youngsters by researchers from the University of Sheffield in the UK who are examining how to improve the decor of children's hospitals. <laughs> Should we keep up all these massive, scary clown paintings everywhere? The study reported by the Nursing Standard magazine found that all the 250 patients aged 4 to 16 they quizzed dislike the use of clowns. Even the older ones find them scary. As adults, we make assumptions about what works for children, said Penny Curtis, a senior lecturer in the area of clowns. We found that clowns are universally disliked by children. Many find them quite frightening. <laughs> I'm going to cut off your skin. So there. Let your clown Oh, the end. There you go. All right. Fantastic. There's your uh, clown watch. Let's do one more here, and then we will uh, take a break and head into one of our many... Uh, there are many fine paid commercial announcements. Here's Tim Riley. So this uh, Bruce Springsteen fan clicked and reclicked one Saturday morning last month to get four seats near the stage for the singer's March 28th show at the Rose Garden. She was online when the tickets went on sale at 10 a.m. and couldn't find more than one seat available. Ten minutes later, she noticed choice seats available for sale at StubHub, an online ticket resale site, going for far in excess of her $95 face value. This happens everywhere, by the way. Fed up, she filed a class-action lawsuit against StubHub, the nation's largest secondary ticket seller, and its parent company, eBay. Her lawsuit in Multnomah County Circuit Court alleges both companies violated the city of Portland's little-enforced anti-scalping law, and she's asking the court to stop Hub, uh, StubHub's practice, award damages, and ensure customers have fair access to affordable seats at their favorite shows. What is the expression on your face indicating right now? Well, I thought that you would have something to say about that. No, I just, you looked as, it was one of those times where I couldn't tell if you had disdain for the woman in the story, or if you had disdain for StubHub, or if you had disdain for the fact that you were reading the story at all. No, I was waiting for your response. I don't know. I, what, what, what do I care? I mean, ticket scalping has always existed. Ticket scalping is always going to exist. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, right? I mean, it, that does seem like a problem. Not even a problem. It's just a thing. That is the free market system at work. Is it not, Tim Riley? Yes. That is capitalism. That yes. is the country in which we live. It's all well and good to say that everybody ought to be able to buy their Springsteen tickets for 50 bucks. But I, mean, I paid over $200 for a concert ticket before. Uh, what is the most you've ever paid for a ticket? Is it for Madonna? Yeah. Uh, that, that, that was in Vegas, though, right? Mm -hmm. Now, is that because they were scalped or because it was the prime seats? No, they were just regular seats. And they just, but now, did you buy them from a scalper online or in person? No, I I bought them online, and it was like a, from a ticket from a reseller. No, it was already low, like Ticketmaster. Oh, really? From a, like Ticketmaster, and those so these were these like front row or just like for no, ten they were rows balcony or... seats. Balcony seats? How much were they? Two 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 eighty five. <laughs> oh wow, for one or or like more one. than one? No, Jesus, well, three hundred dollars for a ticket to see Madonna in the balcony. Yeah, it was Damn, worth it. Man, was that at the MGM? Yes, it was. All right. It was worth it, though. It was a good show? Yeah, it was packed. I'm trying to think of the most I've ever paid for a ticket. I paid... God, this makes me sound... This makes it sound like such yuppies. Lara and I paid 250 each uh, for front row seats at Paul Simon and Brian Wilson mm. uh, at the Gorge a few years back, which ended up being completely and totally not worth it, by oh, the way. Yeah. Ended up being a big load is what that ended up being. I mean, I paid a lot and hardly anything, and both shows were... The next time I went to Vegas, I only paid $15... 
for my ticket, and it was still a great show. Well, now, for what? $15? Erasure. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, I went to they, see... Your... They hadn't played on the West Coast for years and years, and they weren't sure. You know what? Uh, when uh, Laura and I went to London uh, this year, we saw, uh, or last year, we saw Erasure uh, and, at, great. at Coventry, mm-hmm. and uh, and the tickets were relatively inexpensive. I mean, it was like, you know, 20 pounds or something. It's like 40 bucks American. You know, mm-hmm. not, not bad at all. Um... So um, yeah, no, we paid five hundred dollars total for two tickets to, to, for Paul uh, Paul Simon and Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson was great; he was fantastic, but he was the opening act, so he only played for like nine minutes. And then Paul Simon came out, and it was before the Simon and Garfunkel reunion when Paul Simon was still laboring under the impression that we needed to hear the Graceland album for like the billionth time. He was wrong. Oh, and he just played a bunch of crap that no one, that I at least don't care about. I mean, I don't, I just don't like any of Paul Simon's later career solo work. I mean, everything after, like, the Kodachrome era, I just, I don't need to hear it. Uh, and, and then, it, just to add insult to injury, he did, I think, what was about a seven-minute Simon and Garfunkel medley in the middle of the show, where he ran three songs together really quickly, and it was done. And that was it. And that was the stuff we'd come for, was to hear the Simon and Garfunkel stuff. No, he didn't get to hear any of that. So that was money. That, and then, of course, the, the worst part of the entire thing is there we are in the front row, feeling the $500 fly away from us, never to be gotten again, sitting there going, this is the worst concert we've ever been to for this amount of money. Why are we here? And then we turn around, and you know, at the Gorge, there's seats for the first however many rows, and then it just becomes that big grassy hill. And so we turn around during the Paul Simon, uh, because, you know, there's no point in watching the show. It was completely uninteresting. And so we turn around and we're looking at the crowd behind us, and way up on the hill at the top, where people paid like five dollars for tickets, there's man, they're having the best time ever. There's like a guy <laughs> cooking out, and they're like, there's like a big like people are like dancing in a circle and spread out on blankets and like getting high and whatever. We paid you know five hundred dollars for the front row at this concert where you can do nothing, can't stand up, can't move, can't leave, and you've just blown your rent for a month. So there you go. <laughs> the end. All right. Uh, Sarah, most tip, most paid for a concert ticket? I think it was Simon and Garfunkel. For the reunion show? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I was like... I don't remember how much I paid for that. I had terrible seats. Yeah, me too. I had I really bad seats. I think it was like a, a little over 100 bucks. Yeah, I think it was us too. Like Way right up in the nosebleed. That was worth it, though. That, that was, was completely totally and worth totally it. worth it. It was amazing. All right. Uh, back after this, it's uh, 503-733-2970. More from Tim Riley around the corner. Coming up later on, Brian Wheat of Tesla will join us. Uh, Mr. Skin and more from Richie Bristol, who, by the way, has changed out of his knit, like his knit enforcer cap. Now he's wearing the black, like the Carlitos weight jacket with a do-rag. He swapped one out for the other. Back after this. Uh, 503-733-2970. Don't uh, forget tomorrow we'll talk to, um, what is that woman's name? Dorothy Carcicera, uh from the National Enquirer. Uh, Friday, oh, and tomorrow we have the tram ride at 4 o'clock. Uh, Friday, Scott Daly will be here with his review of Cloverfield, uh, which uh, Aaron and Scott saw last night. Coming up later and on it today. It does. It sounds good. I'm trying not to let myself get all ratcheted up. I don't want to be. I don't want to be disappointed. So I'm trying to manage expectations, as they say. Uh, coming up later on today, Brian Wheat from Tesla will join us. Uh, Mr. Skin, Richie Bristol, uh, etc. This is Tim Riley.
Uh, corpse watch time. Fantastic. Here's your corpse watch for Wednesday. Rick Emerson Show. I'm digging up bones. I'm digging up bones. Doing things that's better left alone. I'm resurrecting memories of a love that's dead and gone. Yet tonight I'm sitting alone. Digging up bones. Hey, body of actor Brad Renfro, whose career began promisingly with a childhood role in The Client, but rapidly faded as he struggled with drugs and alcohol. Was well, The dead body was found yesterday in his home. He was 25. They pronounced him dead at 9 a.m. The cause of death, not immediately known, but an autopsy will be conducted as early as today. He reportedly had been drinking with friends the evening before his death. Here's a lawyer who said he didn't know whether the death was connected to any problems he might have had with addiction. <laughs> no, he was working hard on his sobriety. He was doing very well. He was really a nice person. Up until the moment he, he died of a heroin overdose, allegedly. He uh, recently completed a role in The Informers, a film adaptation of a Brett Elston Ellis novel that also stars Winona Reiner, Brandon Routh, and Billy Bob Thornton. Which will now relentlessly be marketed as Brad Renfro's final film. Yeah. And you know at the end it'll say, for Brad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was an exceptionally talented young actor, uh-huh. and our time spent with him was thoroughly enjoyable, said the president of the film's production house, Senator Entertainment. Uh, he served 10 days in jail in uh, May of 2006 after pleading no contest for uh, driving while intoxicated and illegal possession of heroin. Uh, for several years, he was uh, better known for that drug bust and the resulting criminal case than his acting. Another run-in included a 1999 charge for, for uh, cocaine and marijuana, in which he avoided jail time in the plea deal. He was also placed on probation January 2001, ordered to pay $4,000 for repairs to a 45-foot yacht he and a friend tried to steal in Florida in August of 2000, uh, arrested again May 2001 on charges of underage drinking, violating the terms of probation, and ordered into alcohol rehab. He was a native of Tennessee. His film career began when he was 12, acting opposite of Susan Sarandon and Tommy Lee Jones and The Client, uh, some of his other credits include Sleepers, Deuces Wild, App Pupil, and The Jacket. Sleepers. I forgot about that. That's right. Right. That's right. He played, um, was it Brad? Is that the one with Kiefer Sutherland? No, no, no. It's the one with Brad. It's Brad Pitt and Jason Patrick uh, and Robert De Niro, where they're the kids who are abused in the, in the, like, the foster prison home, and, and then they, they grow up and they out. kill the guy, mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon. Great film, by the way. Um, I think he plays Jason Patrick's character. As a kid, maybe? Maybe. Anyway. Who gets into the car? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and then Apt Pupil was that really creepy... Apt Pupil is... Creepy the, Ian McKellen Nazi film. That's what I put on my blog. It, blog. it is creepy, but it's really interesting. Have you ever read the book? Uh-uh. The Stephen King novella? Oh, you got to read this. The Stephen King you know, the story... the movie was enough for me. Oh. That is just... It makes you so uncomfortable. The Stephen King story is just, like, so beyond creepy. It is just, like, beyond... It's one of those things that... It, this sounds like a marketing line, but really, you know, like, could only come from the imagination of Stephen King. It really... It, it, Stephen King really, as he himself will tell you, is really just phenomenally effed in the head. I mean, he is just so unbelievably warped. Uh, and that apt pupil is exactly that way. And the movie's not bad at all. The movie's actually pretty good. I forgot that Brian Redford was even alive until he was dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forgot that he was a heroin user. So, anyway, well, uh, there you go. So, uh, Brad Renfro, dead, dead, dead. There's your uh, corpse watch for... Uh, I'm digging up
Donald says Britney Spears will soon meet a similar fate to Princess Diana. She posted this on her blog, entitled 26. She expresses concern that the swarming paparazzi may signal the end of a pop star. While she never actually uses Britney's name, Lauren's like... They will chase her, just as they chased her into church yesterday, made it clear that uh, Britney is the topic. O'Donnell appears to sympathize with Britney because her career as a child star made her miss out on normal kid things. Rosie says, quote, Where were the sidewalk skin knees, the chalk-stained hand, the monkey bars, the past notes? At Disney Center's not a childhood. O'Donnell goes on to liken Spears' journey in life to Princess Diana's final ride through a Paris tunnel. Rosie notes, quote, there are only inches of separation between vulnerability and disaster. Yeah, whatever. All right. Oh, now, do we have uh, a Britney watch? I think we do. It's not, uh, oh, I think it's right here. I'm sorry. I didn't have oh. it. So we can do that now or later. You you choose. To, you make the call. Well, darn it. Let's do it right now. All right. Here's your Britney watch for uh, Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. <laughs> Did Britney write a suicide note? Britney Spears' divorce, child custody battle, and bizarre breakdowns appear to have taken a greater toll on her than most people know. According to which Touch Weekly, days before her January 3rd breakdown, Britney left a suicide note on her bathroom counter that was allegedly found by her friend Sam. The letter was very sad, a friend close to Britney told in Touch. It was spilled why reasons why she shouldn't live, including <laughs> lines from poems about death. She beat us to it. She said it... She was sorry for never making her life what everybody else wanted. She mentioned how lonely an unfair life can be, uh -huh. how peaceful death seems, and how your mind would finally be at ease. Quit crying for help. Just do it. She went on and on about just wanting to rest in peace. I mean, really, honestly, quit dragging it out. Make a decision. Take a chance. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. I mean, I think I speak for everyone, right, when I say quit wasting our time. Yeah. I mean, do it or don't do it. Quit this elongation of the process. Quit drawing it out. Uh, so there's that, and then apparently she was spotted buying a pregnancy test. Was that today or yesterday? She was spotted shopping for pregnancy tests somewhere. Hmm. That's Sarah? interesting. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I was looking at this other Britney news right now. Um, <laughs> yes, she was shopping for pregnancy tests. Fantastic. I have the pictures. Fantastic. It's just, yeah. you know, my, I was talking to my sister about it, and she's like, why doesn't she have somebody do it for her? But she's fired everybody. She doesn't right. have anybody. No, there's no one. There's and, nobody to buy her trashy pregnancy test at Rite Aid. <laughs> I'm going to pee on a stick, y'all. There's nobody left who cares. <laughs> That's true. Fantastic. All right, there's your Britney watch for uh, Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Tim Riley. Let's go to Florida for this story. Wait. Oh. Damn it. <laughs> this is from Jacksonville. 31-year-old man arrested for not receiving two bags of French fries he ordered. And apparently he ran through a McDonald's. Investigators said David Spiller began in rage and rammed his car into the side of the Jacksonville McDonald's. 
with customers sitting right in there, and children were usually playing. He got angry because his order was incorrect. He rammed his car into the kid play area. Uh, officers uh, said he caused $75,000 in damage. It was a lot of damage, and what is worse is people could have been killed as a result of this guy's poor decision because his order was not correct. I needed a double wham burger and wham fries! He was found hiding in his grandmother's apartment. McDonald's issued the following statement. The safety of our customers and employees at our restaurants is very important. Unfortunately, oh, fortunately, nobody was injured in this unfortunate isolated incident. We're cooperating fully with the authorities and their investigation. Uh, people are humans. And they're going to make, <laughs> and they're going to make mistakes with orders. You have to manage your anger clearly. Well, he didn't. So just remember, people are human. You know, McDonald's just lives in fear of that of that nutcase guy in Los Angeles replicating himself. So that guy who shot all those people in that McDonald's. Oh yeah. That is just man. That is like the Tylenol poisoning of the McDonald's world. They just it, every Even day. In when... Vancouver, remember that girl was stabbed at a McDonald's. Oh yeah. No, I don't remember. Yeah. That. Yeah. That was a few weeks ago. I'm thinking of the girl who not the baby. shoved out the baby in the bathroom. Boy, yeah. McDonald's really is a hotbed of bad, isn't it? All right. Well, here's mm -hmm. Tim Riley. That's why I don't eat there. Anytime, any place you can go to the bathroom 24 hours a day in is never good. That's true. Is that that includes City Hall, or is that still yes. <laughs> No, it's most, most of all City Hall. A Denver man uh, believed to be the only consumer to develop popcorn lung from regular servings of microwave popcorn filed a lawsuit claiming injury from the artificial butter flavoring that previously sickened popcorn. Uh, Wayne Watson's attorney said the lawsuit has been filed against names such as the Kroger Company. A spokesman for the Cincinnati-based supermarket said the company does not comment on lawsuits. Watson's case of popcorn lungs said his two-bags-a-day diet gained national attention last year when doctors at uh, National Jewish Hospital diagnosed him with a rare lung condition linked to that chemical. Popcorn lung, originally called, uh, ooh, some long name, uh, generally has been associated with people who worked in the microwave popcorn factories, mixing big bats of this popcorn. Hundreds of workers say they have severe lung disease and other respiratory illnesses from inhaling these vapors. The chemical has been the subject of hundreds of lawsuits against the companies that produce or use the butter flavoring. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at people in the factories getting popcorn lung, but I am. I had this great mental image, and I think this is a generational thing. I had this great mental image of, like, somebody in the factory dying of popcorn lung. And then when the autopsy happens, they're just puffed up like a Jiffy Pop thing, and the doctor just, like, cuts them up, and the popcorn just comes out. The kernels fall out. <laughs> the the unpopped kernels. <laughs> the doctor's, like, the doctor's shaking them up for a few seconds to, to, to get the final kernels popped, and they're just sort of... <laughs> and then he just started to tear open the top. Come on, that's funny. That is amusing. All right, they don't make Jiffy Pop anymore, do they? Do they? Do they make Jiffy Pop? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I, haven't looked first... in, I haven't looked in the longest time. I didn't think they made it when they had that in the opening scenes for the first Scream movie. Right. Jiffy Pop is pretty great, though. That is, that is I, I would not be surprised, actually, if they still make it. Just There's like no still... way not to burn that. No, no, it, no, it always gets burned, it, especially because the phone would always ring, and you would mm -hmm. walk over and get the phone or something, and then you would, oh, don't, and you would run back, and there's always like a bunch of scorch going on at the bottom. Yeah. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Fans of the Fox Drama 24 can expect a slim to none chance that the city will return this season. It's going to be eight instead. Uh, TVGuide.com reports that even if the current Hollywood writer strike ended this week, the soonest the network could get 24 back on the air would be this summer. They're not likely to run a popular show during the summer season. TV Guide said the network has two options. Either wait until January to premiere 24 seventh season in its entirety, or take the eight episodes it completed and run them in the fall as their own miniseries. Then film the remaining episodes and air them as a separate season of sorts during the winter months. 
That option would compromise the show's one-hour per episode format, which typically totals 24 episodes for 24 hours. Keeper Sutherland is also serving a 48-day jail sentence for DUI and violating his previous probation. Uh, he will likely be released, uh, released sometime this week. So that's that. Uh, Tom Cruise and fellow Scientologists are in a video that has appeared on the Internet touting themselves as authorities of the mind. The Church of Scientology says the video was originally shown at a 2004 meeting. I went to look for it today, and the uh, Scientologist pulled it off YouTube. That seems not unlike something they would do. Let's yeah. see here. Uh, I tried. Now, Sarah, is it at your blog? It used to be the Scientologist had it taken it's, down. It's gone? Oh, that's too bad. All right. Um, well, that's, I never got a chance to. I never got a chance to look at it. Uh, I think right. Gawker actually still might have it. All right. Well, isn't that where you had it from? Yeah, I had it from Gawker, and then uh, it got taken from right, there. And... I'll look right now. All right. This is the uh, this is the video where Tom Cruise says that. Uh, what is he saying? That Scientologists are like, if you're driving by a car accident and you're a Scientologist, you know that only you can help. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll I'll keep looking here while you read this. Uh, Michael Jackson has found a new address in Las Vegas. The Journal Review says the pop star and his children have been staying in the upper floor suite of the Palms Resort for nearly two months. The paper says Jackson and his three kids have gone out to see some of Sin City's greatest attractions, including Madame Tussauds Wax Museum and the Tournament of Kings show at Excalibur. Last year, Jackson spent six months at a multi-million dollar home in the upscale Las Vegas community of Summerlin. Uh, but when he moved out last June, the house was reportedly a mess and the Christmas tree was still inside. The Journal Review says Jackson's handlers have tried to cut a six-figure deal for the singer to host a New Year's Eve party in Las Vegas, but so far, there were no takers. All right, let's think here. I think we may have the Tom Cruise video. Let's see if my computer's up over here. Let's see Let's see if this will play. So this is... Tom Cruise on Tom Cruise Scientologist. <laughs> I think it's a privilege to call yourself a Scientologist, and it's something that you have to earn. And because Scientologist does. Wow. Wow, he looks crazy. Mm-hmm. He looks full-on screaming crazy in this video. Have you seen this, Tim? I think I've seen part of it before. He just he uh, he just has that look like at any moment he's just going to come across the chair and just start beating you in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just play a little bit of this here, and then we'll... Or she has the ability to create new and better realities and improve conditions. It is impossible to overstate how crazy he looks here. And he's got that, it's like that thousand-yard stare that like that like Timothy McVeigh had when they were bringing him out of the courtroom. Um, yeah, he doesn't look like he's well. Uh, being Scientologist, you look at someone and you know absolutely that you can help them. So for me, it really is KSW, and it's just like, it's, it's something that... KSW. Uh, what is that, sure is that, that like is. Some, some wacky Scientology nice speak? Nice the, the Scientologist something, I bet. I don't mince words with that, you know, with, with anything. Does, but that policy to me has really gone, boy. And I, 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 there's a time I went through and said, you know what? When I read it, I, you know, I just went, this is it. This is exactly it. Being a Scientologist, when you drive past an accident, it's not like anyone else. As you drive past, you know you have to do something about it because you know you're the only one that can really help. Wow. <laughs> Why would they put the Mission Impossible music behind this? That's kind of weird. I And here's just my observation of this. My editorial comment as protected by the First Amendment. I'm not saying that Tom Cruise is on any kind of drug. 
I don't know that to be the case. I'm well, saying... Scientologists don't believe in drugs. Or no, of course not. They don't believe in any sort of psychoactive, medi- psychotropic medication. No, they're all perfectly normal and sane no, human beings. No, because psychiatry is a flaw. That's witch doctor. Uh, it's, that's science and whatnot. You don't want to use that. I'm just saying his mannerisms are not unlike those of someone who is just gacked to the gills on something. All right. Uh, yeah, it's a gawker if you want to put it back on your site. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting it All right, it here's now. Tim Riley. Time for a penis watch. Fantastic. Here's your penis watch Take for uh, Wednesday on the Recovery Store. Wonderful. And my troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. This comes to us in Kokomo, Indiana. Police say a man accidentally shot himself in the genitals as he robbed a convenience store early yesterday morning. Excellent. Kokomo police were called to the village pantry store after a clerk at the store called them. A female clerk told police that a man came into the store with a semi-automatic handgun and demanded cash and cigarettes before handing her a white cloth bag. The clerk said that as she retrieved the cigarette, she heard a gunshot and turned to confront the man who yelled that he just shot himself. Police said the man grabbed the bag full of cash and then left. In-store video surveillance showed that the man, who police identify as 25-year-old Derek Koch of Kokomo, shot himself as he placed the gun into the waistband of his pants. Authorities declined to release the surveillance video. So apparently uh, he has a uh, gunshot wound to a testicle and a leg. Now don't you, I mean, every time you watch a movie or some sort of gangster film where the guy is like, and it's always the same thing, right? They're always going into, uh, like they do this at the end of Pulp Fiction, I think. When the guy robs the bank or he's whatever and he's trying to stash the gun and he always pulls up the shirt, sticks the gun into the waistband of his pants. And I, every guy in every theater cringes every time they see that in every film mm-hmm. because it does look like you are just courting disaster of the most intimate and gruesome kind. So, uh, excellent. So, as, uh, he's not dead, though. He's just really dumb and injured. Yes. Fantastic. There's your penis watch. Fantastic. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. Here's Tim Riley. Well, here's the story of a teenage pimp squad. Several teenage uh, gangsters have been arrested on suspicion of forcing young girls into a prostitution ring. After defending uh, and befriending these young girls, after getting them high, these uh, gang members took them to some of their regular customers and then looked for other men by trolling apartment complexes, offering the girls services for 50 bucks. 50 bucks, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, a lot of these girls came from unstable homes, and if the girls refused to have sex for money, the members uh, beat them and threatened their families. They we just... should know that Richie Bristol's pimp squad, to the best of our knowledge, does not uh, does not whore out young girls and beat them or their families. Uh, some of the victims are as young as 12. They believe they are more. Uh, they are now with relatives in safe places. A 15-year-old who may be a gang member helped the suspects by going into the victims' houses to pick them up under the pretense of going shopping it's or gr- going to a movie. It's great that they're with their families because I'm sure they all come from really stable homes and backgrounds. That's usually how a girl comes to be in prostitution at the age of 12. She's with a family that's really put together well. Yeah. Wonderful. That's that. Right. A construction worker claimed in a lawsuit that when he went to the hospital after being hit in the forehead by a falling wooden beam... Emergency room staffers forcibly gave him a rectal examination. Uh, and it's nice that they put his name here, too. Brian <laughs> Prasad. That's Brian Prasad. In your face. Also, your ass. 
says in uh, court papers that after he denied a request by the New York Presbyterian no. Hospital Emergency no. Room employees to examine his rectum, no. No, he was please. assaulted, battered, and falsely imprisoned. <laughs> his lawyer said that he and Prasad wow. later learned that the exam was one way of determining whether he had suffered spinal damage. <laughs> That's made up. Mm-hmm. That's made up. Uh, that emergency fabricated. Room, the emergency room staffers insisted on examining his rectum <laughs> and, 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 and held him down as he begged them not to. No, Please the... don't do that. <laughs> then he had a doctor while flailing around and staffers gave him an injection which knocked him out and they finished the rectal exam, allegedly. <laughs> I don't think it's then alleged. Then he woke up, handcuffed to the bed with an oxygen tube down his throat and a sore rectum. You're... He spent three days wow. in a detention center. Wow. You're sure this was in a hospital really? like it wasn't in James Gum's basement no, or something? This is a, an actual hospital. Mm-hmm. Did they urge him to put lotion on his skin and to give back the effing poodle? <laughs> Jesus. Once again, his name is Brian Fursad, and he's 38 years old. Can you read that whole story again all the way through one more time? I just want to savor it again. A construction worker claimed in a lawsuit that when he went to a hospital after being hit on the forehead by a falling wooden beam, emergency workers... Uh, emergency room staffers forcibly gave him a rectile examination. Yeah. Uh, Brian Prasad said uh, after he was denied a request by New York Presbyterian Hospital emergency room employees to examine his rectum, he was assaulted, battered, and falsely imprisoned. <laughs> his lawyer said Prasad uh, later learned the exam was one way of determining whether he had suffered spinal damage. Usually that's the way they check out your spine is by doing something in your ass. Emergency room staffers insisted on examining his rectum and held him down while he begged them not to. Please don't do that, he screamed. He then hit a doctor while flailing around and staffers gave him an injection which knocked him out. And they finished the rectal exam. He woke up handcuffed to the bed with an oxygen tube down his throat and a sore rectum. And spent three days in a detention center. Can I just tell you this? Anytime, ever, in any circumstance, if you wake up drugged with a sore rectum, mm-hmm. that's bad. There's, I don't care what justification they try to give you. I don't care what the alleged medical underpinnings of that circumstance are. Mm-hmm. That's an unfortunate outcome. Jesus. That's the worst and best story of the week right there. Mm-hmm. What's his name again? His name is Brian Fassad, and he lives in New York City. He's 38. <laughs> is it one of those great stories, too, where they give the home address? No, they didn't this time. <laughs> like such and such at 525 Maplewood has been diagnosed with leprosy. Oh, it's wonderful. It's like that, uh, it's like that section of Youth and Revolt where, uh, where Nick suddenly is overcome. He drinks something that Dwayne gives him, and he's overcome by fatigue, and then he wakes up with a stabbing pain in his backside after dreams that he was wrestling with an amorous walrus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, it's 503-733-2970. On a short while here, we will return to the Ministry of Truth. We're news with Tim Riley coming up later on, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. We'll talk to Richie Bristol. We've got uh, the top five coming up today. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Tesla. Uh, they're going to be the Roseland Theater. Uh, the Roseland Theater, Saturday, February 2nd. Uh, all ages, 30 bucks at the door, 25 in advance. And the website is uh, teslatheband.com. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, Brian Wheat from Tesla. Hello, sir. Hey, how are you doing, buddy? How are you, brother? How's life? How are things? Not life's good, man. Well, of course it is. You're in Tesla. Why wouldn't it be? Well, you... I mean, really. You know, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, I like a guy. Life is good, man. I like a guy who can wake up every day and look in the mirror and go, "By God, I'm a member of Tesla. I rule." And then, you know, sort of go about the day with a smile on your face. Um, Well, you know, you got a good attitude, man. I like that. I will have to tell you, and I, uh, not to sound like that guy in uh, in office space, but uh, I'm a Tesla fan. I celebrate your entire catalog. 
Oh, thank you. Um, so let's uh, just a little background for maybe those who came in late or for people like my producer, Sarah. Sarah is uh, 12 years old and doesn't necessarily have you a handle on... not literally. I'm not literally, but I do. Sarah, sometimes... Here, here's the deal, is that my producer, Sarah, and I, we have this sort of symbiotic relationship where she's t uh, she's 27, right? 27? Yes. Yes. And she brings me up to speed on sort of, uh, you know, the things that just came out like last week. And then I fill her in on things that maybe she was too young to catch or things that she might have missed growing up. Mm -hmm. Um and I got to tell you, man, I, not to be about like the good old days of yesteryear, but I remember sitting on the sofa at my friend Rod's house, and he had this, you know, like one of those big like boombox ghetto blaster things from the 80s. It's sitting in the other room, and I hear this sort of weird sort of uh, fractured sounding acoustic guitar, and it was just sort of like a broken chord kind of a sound, like a like an arpeggio or whatever you call it. And then I hear this sort of angry sort of gritty slide guitar, and it was the beginning of the song Heaven's Trail. Ah, yeah. I remember saying to him, I'm like, what is that song? And he's like, oh, it's his band, Tesla. And, I mean, that was kind of the beginning of, of me being a, a really big Tesla fan. And then, you know, all the way up until now. In fact, you guys just put out, you just put out uh, something, what, about 18 months ago? And you got something else coming out this year? Is that the deal? Yeah, well, we put out a, uh, a covers record, kind of a series. There was two. It's called Real to Real, like real music to real to real tape machine, right. analog tape machine. And uh, we started our own label, and that was the first thing we did to kind of, like, get in the swing of running our own record label. And we had a member change. Tommy Skeel is no longer in Tesla, so Dave Rude, you know, was the guy that joined, and it was a way to take him into the studio and kind of, you know, get him used to playing in the studio with the guys. And uh, that came out in June of uh, 06. Seven, I believe. So you guys are, are you on the road uh, right now, or are you just getting ready to head out? Yeah, no, we start February 1st, actually, in Seattle, and then the next day is, is the show there in Portland. So let's just uh, go back a little and just do a little bit of backstory here. So you guys uh, came out of Sacramento in, uh, what, 85? How did it How did it happen for you guys? How did you guys get together, and then, and then how did you kind of scale the Rock Mountain to success? Well, long story short, me and Frank started playing together when we was kids in 1981. And then Jeff joined in 83. And then Tommy and Troy joined in 1984. And we had a manager, this guy called Steve Klausman. And he used to just send our, you know, we'd make demos and he'd send them out to record labels back then because that's how you did it. And this guy called Tom Zutat over at Geffen Records heard the the demo and and liked us and came up and seen us and signed us and then we sat in a rehearsal room for about a year writing more songs because we didn't feel we had enough songs and uh, we made our first record Mechanical Resonance in 1986 it came out in November 86 and uh, you know our first show as Tesla was uh, opening up for David Lee Roth I, okay, I, two observations. One, Tom Zutout is a legendary A&R guy, uh, probably most famous for discovering Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Uh, it brought a lot of bands in. Secondly, I have to ask this. Is there, like, someone operating a belt sander or something in the background? There's, like, the weirdest noise in the background of this call. Oh, I don't know. It's probably my rocking chair. Okay. It's, it's, I don't know if you're screwing with me or not, but it does sound very much like somebody is uh, doing, or maybe one of those sit-down rowing machines or something. Um, all right, so... Uh, and then fast forward, and you guys, 
Yeah, it's it's my chair. I'm rocking back and forth in it in my office, and it's squeaking. All right, that's what Sarah and I were sort of looking at each other, going, "What is somebody sanding a piece of wood in the background?" Just, I couldn't tell what it was. There ain't nothing freaky going on here. Right, well, it's not one of those. You are living the rock and roll lifestyle, sir. So it's yeah. uh, you, you be entitled. <laughs> You know, you have to be a woman on the other end of the phone for something freaky to be going on or something. But, yeah, no, it's just my chair. Sorry, Excellent. man. I'll stop. Um, so you guys had, uh, obviously, you know, the, the first huge single. I mean, you have Modern Day Cowboy. The first huge single was uh, Love Song, which is a great song and a kind of an unconventional song uh, for the time, too, uh, because, you know, it was sort of the era of the, you know, the big hair and the spandex and the makeup. And everybody had these sort of run-of-the-mill sort of cookie-cutter Power ballads and then love song, which is really a different kind of song, came out because love song, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's sort of differently constructed in that there isn't a traditional style chorus or hook to that song. It's a great song, but it was it, it didn't have the big uh, light heavy light heavy uh, chorus that most of those songs from that period had. It was written differently. Oh yeah, you know you, you know in 25 years you're the first guy that ever like. Bust that out. Well, it's what I do, sir. It's what sets the Rick Emerson show yeah, apart. Yeah, you know, no, 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 no. It, 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 actually, the record company didn't want us to put that out. We fought tooth and nail with them about that because they said it wasn't a conventional song. Yeah, it, and uh, it was three parts and not a song. Exactly. It's sort of. And it, we said, you know, bull. Yeah. This song's a hit. No, and it, and it was. It had the great video of the uh, the yeah, airplane yeah, sky yeah, riding. No, no, yeah, yeah, it's funny. I mean, literally, Tom Zutat said, you know. We're not putting that song out. You know, it's 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 three parts. It's not a song. And uh, I remember Jeff Keith literally crying. You know, on you know like mad, so mad he was crying, saying, you know, this is not. And you know, we were never about cookie cutter. We were always kind of beating our own beat of you know. And that was one of the things. And you know. That's it's 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 nice when somebody knows what they're talking about. And then okay, and then, so then we'll fast forward a little bit, and then of course the next huge splash was with Five Man Acoustical Jam Record, which, and I don't know to what extent you guys ever. I mean, it was so different doing a live album uh, that was all acoustic, although I think some electric guitar popped up in the end on the song Love Song actually. But and then you had the big song, uh, the cover of Signs. Did uh -huh. you did you guys ever feel kind of hemmed in by that? Was there a time where you sort of said to yourself like, oh God, we shouldn't have done this acoustic? record because now that's what that's what a big chunk of the audience expects us to do when they come see us no no i mean you know i, I, I mean it's funny you know jimmy page is like a, a huge hero of mine and i actually met him and became quite friendly and he said to me that he really enjoyed the acoustic record and i said to him oh well you know we you know we didn't start that because there's something along that lines he goes I said, you you guys were doing acoustic before anyone, you know, with Led Zeppelin three. He goes, yeah, but you did an acoustic live record. Which, even at that time, I mean, that was post-Bon Jovi doing One and Dead or Alive at the VMAs, but you guys were the ones who, who really kind of kicked that wall down because it was unheard of. And it was the great thing about that record, which was so just loose and organic feeling. And i got to tell you this, the biggest compliment I can give you guys for the five-man acoustical jam record is that it made me like a Grateful Dead song, which I didn't really think was possible. Yeah, you know, me too. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm not a big fan. Uh, yeah, that record's as raw as it can get. I mean, that's truly a live record, and it's just, you know, raw mistakes, flat notes, everything just stayed. Um, 
So, uh, I mean, we were proud of it, and we still are. And, you know, the funny thing after that is when you say, well, did you ever, you know, get tired and wish you hadn't done it? The next song we put out off the next, after that record, you know, because that record was our biggest selling record. The next record we put out was Psychotic Supper, and the first single off it was Psy, uh, Song and Emotion. Edison Edison's oh, Medicine. Edison's Medicine, right. Which is just like the heaviest thing I think we ever recorded. And that was in a way to let everyone know, hey, look, don't get too used to this, you know, acoustic unplugged thing. I mean, you know, we're not, you know, the easy thing would have been followed up with another acoustic unplugged uh, so in the studio thing, you know, really milk it. But. We've never been like that, you know. We've just kind of like wherever we are at the time is what we do, and I think that keeps us honest. And you know, that's what we're all about. We're not, you know, it's like you look at Tesla. What you see is what you get. You know, there's no false pretenses or uh, you know calculations. It's just this is what we felt like doing at the time. And you know, it's like with the covers record. You know, people say, "Why did you do that?" Well, that's what we felt like doing at the time. You know. Well, so a bunch of other people did it. Well, we didn't do it because they did it. We did it because we were starting our own record company, and we didn't want to, you know, start from the ground running on a brand-new studio record that everyone, you know, focuses on and people right. judge you by, and with a brand-new guitar player. So we wanted to go have some fun and work out the kinks in every aspect of Tesla business. So that's why we did Real to Real. We're talking to uh, Brian Wheat from Tesla. Uh, they're on the road, going to be here Saturday, February 2nd. Just to real quickly to touch on Psychotic Supper for a second, which is a great record, is Edison's Medicine, and one of the all-time great Tesla songs is on there, a song called Song and Emotion, uh, which is about Steve Clark from Def Leppard, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely, and my favorite Tesla song of the lot. Is that true? That song, and that's another, like, seven-and-a-half, eight-minute song that just builds and builds, and there's that moment in Song and Emotion, and it was written, I think, just a year or two after after Steve Clark from Def Leppard died. Um, there's when the song really cuts loose, and where Jeff does that, you know, and it looks like rain, that moment, when he and it goes right into that, you know, the song just explodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fantastic. So, I mean, really just well, one... He was, he was a real good friend of ours, you know, and we toured with Def Leppard on the first record uh, about 14 months. So they kind of became like our big brothers and our mentors and stuff. And Steve was tragic, you know. He was the sweetest, humblest, nicest guy. Just, you know, he just was unhappy. And so, you know, that's why the song was kind of written for him. And, you know, it sounds like Def Leppard when you listen to the song. Yeah. Like, sounds like Tess Leppard, you know. It sounds yeah. like Tesla and Def Leppard. And I know the, the guys in Leppard really, you know, they... they they have a spot for that song, and we certainly do. And uh, Steve was a beautiful guy, you know, who we still miss. And, you know, uh, it's funny. We're putting together a Tesla box set right now, and I'm going through 20 years of archival footage and demos and all that stuff. And that will come out in June, and then the, the new studio record will come out in September. And, you know, I'm looking at all these, you know, video reels of, of us with Leopard and stuff, and it. Yeah, it kind of bums you out, makes you reminisce and bring a tear to your eye when you look at a guy like Steve Clark, you know. And if you look at the history of Tesla, one of the big, you guys for a long time, uh, sort of like Queen in the early days, you guys had uh, a, a real uh, trademark in that you wouldn't use any synthesizers. The big, the slogan was no machines, and everything on the record was vocals, bass, drums, guitar. That was it, no synthesizers, no sampling, no whatever. And in 2004, I think you guys actually changed a little bit and started incorporating yeah. some synth stuff. What was the reasoning behind that? Just at that point, you know, I mean, we've been broken up since 1995, and we got back together in 2000, 
right? I mean, you know, so we bring everybody up to speed. We broke up in 1995 because we just couldn't handle it anymore. We were just hit burnout factor to the max, and, you know, Tommy wasn't in the band. One of the many times he wasn't in the band, and, you know, things just weren't, you know, I wasn't waking up thinking it was a good day to be in Tesla. None of us were. It was like, you know, grunge and we we broke up in '95. Right. Only sold 900,000 copies when it came out. Right. It didn't reach platinum, right? Because the first four were straight platinum records. You know, double platinum, triple platinum. You know, they were multi-platinum records. So this one didn't reach platinum, and Geffen wanted to drop us. It was like, wow, you know. And so Why we didn't make the mark. So that was a little bit deflating, and you know, it was just and and. All those years, right? I mean, we started in 83 or whatever, and this, here we are in 1995, and, you know, there was excess drug use, it, it, just everything. Everything that ever happens that you think happens to a rock band. Is that you, you went everything, all the cliches happen? I mean, all there's of the a reason they're cliches, because it's just, it just happened. You know, right. we were burnt out, we were, you know, we had money, we, we were on drugs, we had other people telling us, you know, you don't need each other, and and it, we just started to drift apart. So we broke up in '95, and then this guy in Sacramento at 98 Rock, which is our hometown station, who's been there as long as we've been a band. This guy called Pat Martin. He, you know, he used to come around my house and say, you know, for dinner or whatever, because he, he was a friend of ours as well, and say, ah, you know, what do you guys? Why don't you guys get back together? You know, one one for one show, and I was like, you know, I'd be like, nah, because we were all doing separate bands at that point in time, right. and. We weren't really talking too much. I mean, I was I always talked to Jeff and Frank, but in the breakup, I didn't really, you know, keep too close communication with Troy or Tommy. But you know, so I was like, nah. So one night after about four bottles of wine at dinner, he's like, you know, why don't you get back together for one night? We'll do this big celebration in Sacramento. You know, I said, look, if you can get everyone else to do it, I'll do it. So he called everyone and he got everyone to kind of say the same thing I did. You know, if you can get everyone right, else to right. do it, I'll do it. So we got back together in October 2000, and we did one show. And it was, like, sold out at Arco Arena in Sacramento. It was, like, 18,000 people. And it was just the reception was so overwhelming that we decided, well, let's, let's go out and do a reunion tour. And that was really successful. And we just, at that point, it was like, we were stupid. Why do we break up? Let's, right. You know, let's just continue on. So bringing us... You know, back to where he started. Sorry, I can ramble. Um, we got into making Into the Now in 2003. And, you know, technology had changed. You know, uh, in the old days, we used to always make records uh, on reel-to-reel tape machines. Right. Well, everyone was making them on computers and Pro Tools now, right, which Pro Tools is kind of the music industry standard. I mean, I own a recording studio and if you don't have a Pro Tools rig, you know, you suck. You ain't going to get no client. Everyone, that's just the way people make records today, you know. Very few people are making records on reel-to-reel analog tape, which is why we did. And you guys, just if I could, and you guys have sort of made the statement. Like, you, you've, I mean, you don't have anything sort of to prove on the no synthesizers no, front I, I, at this point. I think, you know, especially when we put out reel-to-reel that just came out, you know, last year. That was all analog tape that was pretty much live in the studio, and it was like, this band can play. So no one can ever, you know, they can say lots of things about us. They can say, boy, they are some ugly bastards, but they can't say that we can't play our instruments. So, 
we decided to to start work on this record and we you know the the engineer michael rosen said let's do this on pro tools and you know we were in a pretty open-minded state of uh mind at that time and we said all right let's go go ahead so pro tools was a machine that you could manipulate stuff so at that point like having 911 had some loops in it and you know there were some samples and stuff and that was the way that we made into the now and um it was just because we were you know tesla had to make a record that was modern sound sure sure you know it's like you couldn't make a record that sounded like 1993 right right and that you know and it's it's good and you know and it, nobody wants to hear a band that just sounds like they're stuck and you know whatever 25 years ago that was then this is now and, and all right. that stuff so i think you know the thing is is when you listen into the now it sounds like tesla today you guys are going to be uh, at the Roseland on Saturday, February 2nd. Uh, Tesla, uh, all ages, $30 at the door, 25 in advance, and the website is teslatheband.com. Uh, uh, Brian Wheat, I'm a big fan. I'll be at the show. Thank you for spending some time with us today, and continued success to you guys. Yeah, come up to me, man. I'd love to, to, to introduce you to the guys. Absolutely. In 25 years of doing interviews, this is one of the, the you know the best interviews I've ever done with someone that one really knew what he was talking about. Well, thank you. I am uh, I'm a fan, and it's an honor to talk to you. So have a, have a great tour, great show, and uh, yeah, I'll certainly be at the show, my friend. All right, buddy. Take thank care. you, sir. There you go. See you soon. Thank you. There you go. That's uh, Brian Wheat, uh, bass player from Tesla. Richie, if you want to make sure we have appropriate contact info uh, for him, if you can uh, pop over onto the uh, warm line. Richie Bristol, speaking to you. Thank you. Okay, there you go. Fantastic. That was a great. He was great really interview. great. He's really great. I think yeah. you can definitely tell when somebody's not used to talking to someone who doesn't, you know, who knows what they're talking about. Well, you know, and it, you know, just. I mean, not that I'm any whatever. It's like we tried to get Eva Longoria as a guest, and not like I would have known what I was talking about with her. So everybody I has even their. Known. Yeah, I mean, I, if we had gotten Eva Longoria, I would have been. I would have watches Desperate Housewives, so he could have interviewed her. That's true. Or like with Nellie Olson. But, I mean, it's like I would have been to Eva Longoria like so many jackhole DJs are to that guy. Where they're like, so, uh, Tesla, what's your deal? What are you all about? So. I'll totally go to the Tesla show, too. Tesla, do you remember the uh, love song? Do you remember that single? I don't know. I it's don't... a beautiful song. It really is. It's. Well, I have it here. Okay, we'll go into break with it. Okay. Um, and then we got Mr. Skin at the bottom of the hour. It, Tesla is, and I say this about some other bands, but I don't think it's truer with anybody than with Tesla that they... Because largely, largely because they had toured at one point with Poison and they had toured with Def Leppard, when the big grunge smackdown came, everybody was like Tesla equals hair metal band, and they were just written off, and they were like the furthest thing from a hair metal band. I mean, they were just some stringy-haired jeans and t-shirt rock band, but totally got lumped in with the hair metal scene and just were kicked out of the off the charts, and it was yeah, just too bad. Kind of registers into that in my. Like, yeah, in my mind, because that's just, just the way they were painted. And I mean, that guy clearly knows the re and it, you know, and it sounds like they did the right thing in '95. He said it was the right thing. He said he woke up and he wasn't thinking it was a good day to be in Tesla. And I mean, it wasn't. I mean, there was a good five, six, seven, eight year period where that kind of music or the people who were perceived to do that kind of music were just not, you know, uh, they were not what was happening. So anyway, great guy. He was he was really cool. So uh, anyway, Brian Wheat, there you go. Uh, I'm really glad we figured out what that noise was before. <laughs> no, because I couldn't figure it out. It was I couldn't like, either. We're like, is he? It was like a, a road? I kept picturing someone off? on an exercise machine in the background. That's what I thought it was. Oh. So, uh, let us do a few stories here with Tim Riley, and then we will uh, break and come back at the bottom of the hour. Tim Riley, hello. Hello. Sorry, you were interrupted by that rock and roller, Tim. No, it was very interesting. I enjoy rock and roll. Yeah. Yes. 
A uh, Portland police officer will lose his accreditation after entering a gil- guilty plea today on two charges of official misconduct. Seems the 34-year-old officer Jason Folk, a 10-year veteran, accused of engaging in a sexual relationship with a mentally challenged woman. Wow. Uh, he was uh, a responding officer to an emergency call the woman placed. Uh, the two allegedly, Jesus, uh, the two reportedly, engaged in sexual activity twice last summer... He was placed on paid leave in September after the woman reported that Falk was uh, harassing her. Apparently, he wanted some more. But who was harassed? The investigation determined that when the relationship was uh, consensual, it was inappropriate on the police officers. Party also faces two years probation. Okay. Here's something that'll make everybody happy. Dr. Phil is under investigation. Fantastic. <laughs> well done. Congratulations, A everyone. A complaint. Has been filed with the California Board of Psychology alleging the TV doc was illegally practicing without a license when he paid a visit to one Britney Spears. <laughs> Owned. Uh, Dr. Phil has never been licensed to practice in California and he retired his Texas license in 2006. So he is an unlicensed psychologist. Right. And to, like Dr. Laura. Uh, the shrink uh, who filed this complaint believes that when Dr. Phil visited Britain the hospital earlier this month, he was practicing psychology. Wonderful. Uh, let's see here. The uh, psychology board says if the board finds the uh, complaint credible, it'll be referred to the DA for review. Practicing without license is a felony. Big horse teeth bastard. Excellent. Phony. Nah, seriously. Made for TV. So anyway, a petition is being circulated to remove the Dr. Phil show from the air also. We're told that the Shrink is trying to get other psychologists to sign. And by the way, uh, I know that the Dr. Phil show is trying to put together this all-star spectacular to celebrate his 1,000th episode. And because of the whole Britney Spears debacle, no one will sign on to be on it. He was trying to get a whole bunch of stars to be on his 1,000th show uh, extravaganza, and everyone has told him to get stuffed. Yeah. No one will come on the show because of the Britney thing. Oh, it'll be so satisfying just to see his entire career implode in flames. How immensely <laughs> gratifying would that be? It gives me a warm feeling just to think about it. Yeah. In your face, Dr. Phil. Bastard. Right. Made for TV fakery, I say. Huckster. Uh, John McCain today defending his opposition eight years ago to the flying of the Confederate flag over the South Carolina capital of Columbia, brushing aside protests that died about campaign events. Uh, several protesters aggressively waved Confederate flags at really? his bus. This is really still going what on. What year is this? Well, th- we're talking about a southern state here. I know. I, I mean, it's a prison without walls. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some home for the criminally retarded. Mm-hmm. Let's do one more, then we'll take a break. <laughs> According to a Touch magazine, Ryan Seacrest has a girlfriend. Uh-huh. And it says here, it's, it's someone he's been dating for years. Really? Does she live in Canada? Uh, she has a restaurant owner named Erica. They were recently uh, spotted dining at a New York eatery. You're sure it's Eric? Uh. Eric? Uh. Uh-huh. Uh, witnesses said uh, the couple were holding hands and looked very romantic. Does he share this girlfriend with Clay Aiken? Does he have any sisters? It, it says, uh, <laughs> the woman tells the magazine, we've been dating on and off for a few years now. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have that much time due to his busy no, schedule. No, nobody he's, cares. No, like, just be a pretty gay man. That, that's what I'm saying. I mean, really, honestly, I, I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, Ryan Seacrest's like life will, is his own. But I mean, people will leave you alone more if you just come out and say, "Hey." I suppose. Well, it's. I mean, and Ryan Seacrest is just so like. The thing about Ryan Seacrest is, I just can't picture him being anything because he's just so insufferably bland. Like mm-hmm. he's just so unbelievably. He's like, you know what he is? He's not even vanilla. He's like a picture of some vanilla ice cream that, like, you would see in Sunset Living magazine. Mm-hmm. All right. 
I'll take a break here. We'll play a little Tesla into the break. Uh, I'll be back uh, coming up in the next uh, half hour. More of Tim Riley. Uh, uh, listen to that. This is the edit, but it's still good. This is like a seven-minute song originally in three parts. No real chorus to this song either. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, I tried to hit the post and failed there. I think it's right here. There we go. 503-733-2970. Coming up here in just a few. Uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. This, however, is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Okay, we're updating news. Up to the minute here. Wait, hold on. Is this breaking news? Uh, not yet. All right. We'll have some in just a moment. Okay. Did you send Tim your story? I didn't. Uh, oh, should I? I thought you did. Oh, wait a minute. I have something here. All right, hold on. Just a moment. 
Okay, this is an okay magazine dispute. Getting this breaking news any moment now. It is. If those trombones can play just a couple of minutes more while this loads. If you'd like, I could. uh, If you'd like, I could just. I could just kill the time with Hanna Barbera sound effects, Tim. That'd be great. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, Is your volume uh, up? Okay. Here's an exclusive. I'm so, now I have to go back to the breaking news sounder. I'm sorry. Ow. All right. Okay. This is from OK Magazine, an exclusive. Despite reports that Jamie Lynn Spears has been rushed to the hospital due to pregnancy complications, a spokesperson for the 16-year-old is talking exclusively to deny the scandalous rumor. She says, contrary to rumors, Jamie Lynn Spears has not been rushed to the hospital nor has she suffered a miscarriage. Nor is she pregnant at all. She is very healthy and at home with her mother. Uh-huh. So the, the the story now, Access Hollywood is... Uh, now, I haven't seen the first-hand Access Hollywood report even. Mm-hmm. All I've seen is a blog referencing Access Hollywood. Uh, there is a, a celebrity gossip site claiming... Now, it's like a three degrees of separation here. So there's a celebrity gossip blog claiming... That Access Hollywood is reporting mm-hmm. that Jamie Lynn Spears was rushed to the hospital with severe bleeding, blah, 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 lost the pregnancy, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, which immediately prompted Sarah to, to speculate that that was a sudden decision to dispatch one's baby to the netherworld. Um, and, and, but, I, but now, the, so the Spears family, who, by the way, cannot be believed at all on anything at this point. They're just liars. They really are. About things that they don't even need to lie on. Um they, uh, anyway, so the, so the Spears family's claiming that she's at home resting comfortably, but I mean... Choking with doctors? <laughs> just like Frank Sinatra was talking to family members even after he had been burned. Uh, this photo looks weird, like her head has been put on a doll. Yeah, no, her face is kind of strange sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't, uh, that's a thing where you got to catch her at the right angle or she just looks like a, like a, some sort of a creature. Richie, can we be getting Mr. Skin, by the way? This is... A couple, just I know we're running a little late here, but we should probably be doing that at this point. Um, so, so the latest is that they're denying it, but it's you know, all right. Well, it remains to be seen, I guess, if it's true or not. So. Then we have this other thing about her, uh, Brittany's new boyfriend, Adwan Galib. Originally, he's from Afghanistan, moved with his family to London in 1977. He settled in California, where he managed a strip club. Then he branched out to become a paparazzi. Classy. Though married, he's been separated from his wife, as in Barry, for about a year. Uh, he's been linked to Spears since a very public meltdown. There are rumors that he's been working as... Oh, he's working on a plot that charmed the singer and eventually convinced her to marry him. <laughs> it is now thought that Spears has employed him as her personal assistant, pays him several thousand dollars a week to serve as a driver and assistant. Linked to Spears at the penis. In addition, he's been uh, cleaning the singer's house, running general errands, and acting as her chief defender. I would completely take that job. For right. half of whatever she's paying him. She's spending most of her evenings with him. And he recently moved into her Malibu mansion. Over the weekend, she bought him a brand new Mercedes to drive her around in. Brittany is showering Adnan with gifts because she's desperate to hang on to him. She sees him as the one constant in her life, though. She's totally blind to his money-making schemes. Wonderful. Boy, you know, Kevin Federline just looks better with every passing day. With every development, he just looks such the stable homemaker. He really does. All right, let's do one more, and then we'll uh, talk to Mr. Skin. Now, it is also charging upwards of $1,000 to talk to uh, Us Magazine reporters off the record about their relationship. Well done. 
He recently got his fingers bare when he tried to sell photos of himself together with Britney for a million dollars. He ended up making $40,000. A large percentage reportedly was being taken by Britney herself. I'm stunned that he could even get forty grand for photos of her uh, business at this point. I mean, really, I, we've, all, we've all seen it. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database. Our good friend, Mr. Skin. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. How's it going? How's life? How are things? How was your weekend? Satisfying? Oh, everything's good. I just got back from the porn convention in Las Vegas. That's so I'm right. I'm very tired. I saw photographs from that, actually. Yeah, it was a lot uh, of fun. What is up in the world of Mr. Skin? Well, the uh, movie opening Friday uh, in theaters is called Mad Money. Queen Latifah is in the movie, Ted Danson. Uh, Diane Keaton and uh, Katie Holmes is in the movie, and she's in the news not only because of this movie, but because of that Tom Cruise video that's uh, going around the, the internet, the Scientology video. And uh, the movie is Mad Money's a PG-13 film, and a lot of people uh, who are seeing Katie Holmes on TV might want to know if she's ever done a nude scene, and the answer is yes. In fact, a great nude scene in a uh, 2000 drama called The Gift, an hour and 35 minutes That's in. That's right. Yeah, she's topless. And uh, I was very surprised. Back in 2001, when I did my Anatomy Awards, I, I voted uh, Katie Holmes' best breast. You know Tom Cruise? Yeah, best breasts. And uh, uh, anyone who sees her nude in The Gift will probably agree with me. She looked outstanding. Excellent. So, Mad Money in theaters this weekend. Uh, the big DVD out this week is Good Luck Chuck, the Dane Cook comedy. Whether you think Dane Cook's funny or not, you have to admit he gets in some movies with some good nudity. Good luck, Chuck. Uh, again, when I'm looking at my Anatomy Awards uh, for Breast Picture this year, uh, this is going to be a strong contender. Not only does uh, Kaylin Simmons uh, bear her breasts uh, four minutes in, but from that point on, 15 other actresses or, or girls that are trying to be actresses take their clothes off in this movie. So... Uh, good luck, Chuck. Does not suck. It's a good movie for nudity. And uh, finally, I wanted to mention they're reissuing the classic uh, hippie ex-Green Beret movie, Billy Jack, this yeah. week on DVD with Tom Laughlin. Anyone who uh, remembers uh, this movie probably remembers it fondly. And uh, it, it not only had some, some great uh, Billy Jack uh, beating up all the bad guys, but... Uh, some really good nudity in this, and uh, they're they're reissuing the movie uh, this week. It's a skin favorite, and uh, uh, and lots of nudity in the film. Excellent, fantastic, always a pleasure, my friend. Have a great week. We will talk Take to you next week. week. There you go, Mr. Skin, ladies and gentlemen, from MrSkin.com. All right, uh, so we got this email, Rick. Am I just becoming way too cynical? I am blaming your show, by the way. I'm feeling a Jamie Lynn miscarriage is a plan by the Spears family. I mean, if you think about it, it's the only clean way out. It's not an totally. Yeah, it's not an abortion, which would be too controversial. It's not an adoption, which would just be weird for a rich family. No, some sort of accident would not only get her off the hook, but would also win her sympathy for her loss and kudos for her decision to keep the baby and own up to her responsibility, responsibility she now doesn't actually have to exercise. And then he says, or maybe I'm just too cynical. No, I think we're all thinking the that same That was thing. exactly what we all thought. Exactly. Yes. Remains to be seen whether it's true or not. I mean, I guess we'll know one way or the other in like six months. Here's Tim Riley. Eddie Murphy and his new wife, Tracy Evans, have split up. This is from People Magazine, and they just got married two weeks ago. They tied the knot on New Year's Day at a private island near Bora Bora. That's in the French Polynesia. However, the marriage is not legally binding. Only residents can legally marry there. <laughs> the pair later said they were planning on having a real wedding in the U.S. Well, it's not going to happen. So, I was just going to say, I don't even remember Eddie Murphy getting married. She'll sell her story to OK Magazine. When did Eddie Murphy get divorced? I don't know. 
He he got married in Bora Bora. He wasn't married to Scary Spice. No, 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 but he was married to somebody else when he impregnated Scary Spice. Oh, he was? Yeah, wasn't he? I believe so. Didn't he have a wife? Because it was like more bad news for her because he was the one. Didn't he get, isn't he another one who got caught picking up a hooker with a penis? Oh, that was a while ago. I mean, I know that that's a pretty common thing in Hollywood. I mean, everybody, that's just a phase you go through, apparently. You do a made-for-TV movie, and, uh, you know, you work as, uh, you know, you work as an extra somewhere. You pick up a transvestite hooker. Uh, but then he impregnated Scary Spice, even though he actually was married to someone else, who I guess he is now divorced from. And then he married this woman in a fake wedding, but now they're not married. No. Wow. Okay. You know, Hollywood lives are not like ours. They really is true. Here's Tim Riley. Time for a religious nutcase watch. Here's your religious nutcase watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Huckabee says he wants to amend the Constitution to be in what he calls God's standards. I guess this is just in time for South Carolina. The United States Constitution never uses the word God or makes any mention of any religion, drawing its sole authority from we the people. However, Mike Huckabee thinks it's time to put an end to that. He says, quote, I have opponents in this race who do not want to change the Constitution, he told the Michigan audience, but I believe it's a lot easier to change the Constitution than it would be to change the word of the living God. And that's what we need to do, to amend the Constitution so it's in God's standards, rather than to try to change God's, he's already said God like four times, <laughs> standards, so the line, it, uh, it lines up with some contemporary view. Uh, apparently, this uh, opinion was expressed on MSNBC's Morning Joe, and the host, uh, Mika Brzezinski, was almost speechless. And even Joe Scarborough couldn't find the words, but he said it was interesting. He uh, further noted that Huckabee is someone with, uh, well, without any charm. <laughs> no, that is true. Mm-hmm. He really is utterly, he's a man without texture or surface of any kind. There's nothing to grab onto with that guy. I'm not even saying he's a bad person. He's just so utterly and completely devoid of any kind of personality or substance. Um, and this is, by the way, the same guy who was telling Iran that they're going to meet the gates of hell or whatever. Yeah. So I think this is what we would call fair warning. I mean, really, if you vote for this guy at this point, you really, you really have no one to complain to. I mean, this is, you really have been duly warned about his nutcasery. All right, there you go. There's your religious nutcase watch for, for Wednesday. So now page six is asking, Jamie Lynn rushed to hospital? It says here, quote, from page six, Jamie Lynn Spears was rushed to a Kentwood hospital this afternoon because she was suffering from severe bleeding. Access Hollywood's reporting this, apparently, but I don't see it on their website. See, that's the weird thing. Wait, does Hollywood, does Access Hollywood have, like, a uh, an email thing they do? or uh, uh, Because it's not on their website, so maybe they have some sort of ticker that they send out or something, or... Email updates or whatnot. Her mother Lynn and brother Brian are reportedly in the hospital room with her, while some sources are reporting that Jamie Lynn suffered a miscarriage. A source close to Britney Spears tells Page6.com that the story is untrue. Jamie Lynn is perfectly fine. 
So I'm going to check this next as Hollywood again. Well, here's the, this guy says, um, Rick, I think it's a conspiracy. Hear me out. He says, I don't think Jimmy Lynn ever was pregnant. He says, I really think this was a bid by her family to get the attention off of Brittany, not for negative reasons, but thinking that if people quit paying attention to Brit, she'll seek help. Now, having seen this won't work, they have to come up with a way to get rid of the pregnancy that never was. And like you said, abortion or adoption would just be bad for her image. Well, Gosh. This is getting interesting. I mean, but it's, it's all so plausible. And you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to think that people who have a lot of money and power and fame, you know, resort to bizarre or strange or unethical or unorthodox methods to control their public image. I mean, really. So, I mean, it's not like it's outside the bounds of reality that that would happen. So is there anything? So we have nothing still from Access Hollywood on this. Their breaking news is, is Britney Spears pregnant again? Well, the answer to that question is always yes, Tim. I mean, of course she is. She's the world's most fertile woman. She had to just start renting out her womb. You know what I mean? Let me go back to the pregnancy desk here. I wish I had a sound effect for that. Wait, hold on. (laughs) Wait, how about... Oh, these are all Hanna-Barbera sound effects. Yeah. Uh There's nothing there. I don't know how long this is or what it is. Now I'm looking. Okay. We'll play all 92 of those later. That sounds good. You're, that's one of those things you're just saying as a placeholder. You're not even really listening to me. Well, there's good news and bad news for high school musical fans. The good news is that all the cast members have signed on for a third installment because, well, it's such a money winner. It's going to appear on the big screen this time. The bad news involves one of the show's most popular stars. According to E! Online, Zach Ephron was hospitalized yesterday for an emergency appendectomy. His rep said the star is now recuperating. Uh, no word on how the surgery will affect the taping of High School Musical 3 the senior year. Monday, Walt Disney Studio Motion Picture Productions announced that uh, Zach Vanessa Hutchins, Ashley Tisdale, Corbin Blue, Monica Coleman, and Lucas Grabeel signed on for the show. Okay, half of those are stage names. Uh, can you go through those again? Ashley Tisdale. That's that's probably weird enough to be real. Corbin Blue. Fake. He could be Chicken Corbin Blue. Monica mm-hmm. Coleman and Lucas Grabeel. Monica Coleman. Fake. Mm-hmm. Lucas Grabeel. Real. Vanessa Hutchins. Vanessa Hutchins. Probably Vanessa is her middle name. Her first name is probably, you know, something bizarre and hard to pronounce. Zach Ephron. That's real. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. 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 Hey. Hi, Tim. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Richie Radio is up and going. I don't understand what that means. Oh, RichieRadio.com. I've got it. Anyway. Wait, hold on. um, Hold on a second. Hold hold on. Stay there. Hold on one second. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. You stay there. Bye. Richie's shaking his head. It's quite pungent. Richie, it's good to promote your product. Richie, what are you doing? Not during the show. She was sitting there for a minute, so I was just saying, go there. You should go to RickEmerson.com. You're taking listeners. Well, it's Rick Emerson's show. 970.am even. Okay. Okay. So now, did you you were directing her to go to your website? What do people see when they go to your website? Uh, right now, I'm just testing a chat room. Please tell me there's no Pimp Squad logo. No. A chat room. That's a bad idea. Probably. You're. Mark my words. That's yeah. a bad idea. When you give a holes the ability to comment, it Uh-oh. gets out of control. I think all of us have had that experience, by the way, with our own know, personal I open, websites. I had open comments for a really long time until. So you just decided to close that little loophole. 
All right. So it, you did not tell her to come on and, uh, and promote this. No, you no, opted no, no. to do it. No, I was actually in testing mode. I don't want anybody to know about it. Let me ask you. Well, oh. <laughs> really? I'm going there right now. By the way, first you were wearing the knit cap, then you were wearing the do-rag. Are you wearing both now? Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. All right. It, it, I mean, is it... Do you lose a lot of heat through your head or something? <laughs> no. Okay. Please enter your password. Right. Thank you, Richie. I just wanted to see why she said that. Oh, Hello. How can I help you, miss? He is just a very creative human being. Well, that's one way of putting it, I suppose. How, how can I assist you today? Oh, I just wanted to... I'm sorry, um, Mr. Tesla wasn't there. Mr. I wanted Tesla. to ask him about... Balin McMahon, who was the uh, uh, producer and director of Def Leppard. And um, Balin is a very good friend from Ireland. And uh, three of the Defs, three of the Leps, uh, lived in his home in Ireland. So they would come here and spend a couple of days in Portland and stay over. And he would plan to have, well, this is, uh, Hold on a second. Yeah. Is, hold, uh, give me one second. Um, yeah. Anyone in the studio who has followed this, raise your hand. No. I'm right. busy at the moment. <laughs> well, you wouldn't with a name like Phelan McMahon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry and you missed they, Mr. They, Tesla. They opened for Billy Squire, oh, and that moment. was their... Pull up my chair. We're, we're going to talk about Billy Squire. I need to... Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, Bill, and they blew... He, they opened. Death Leopard opened for Billy Squire, and they just blew him away. That's I mean, they, it's really hard to do, I would imagine. Like we've completely well, moved off of Tesla. Now we're talking about someone who stared this, shared the stage with Billy Squire well, at one point. He was talking oh. about Def Leppard. Yes. Yes. yes and Phil and McMahon is, was their manager and uh, owned all the equipment, the the lights, the scaffolding, and things like that. And he would tour with them, mm-hmm. and they lived with him. Happily ever after? Uh, no, no. They're all over the place. Uh, okay. Broken arms. I mean, lost arms. You know the drummer and all. <laughs> anyway, it's just... Six degrees of right. separation. Okay, excellent. What's your name? Uh, Louis LaBamba. Yeah, okay. Thanks for calling. Bye. We, does it seem to you like there's a large proponent of crazy women calling the show the last week? You know what I mean? Not so much crazy guys. Crazy women somehow who have broken free of their restraints and gotten to phones lately. All right. Well, we need an increase in that demographic anyway. That's here. Always end your call with a wacky name. That's always the way to earn the respect of the show's hosts. Here's Tim Riley. Listen to this. Scientists have developed a computer that can translate a dog's barking. This is a special program that analyzes more than six thousand barks. It's from fourteen Hungarian sheepdogs in six different locations. In a series of tests by a team of scientists, they discovered that a computer could recognize whether a dog was. Talking to a stranger, fighting, walking alone, playing with the ball, or sitting around doing nothing. The computer can tell what kind of situation a dog is in by how it barks. The marks were tape recorded, then digitalized at a computer, which used software to study their differences. The computer correctly identified the different situations 43% of the time. This doesn't sound like a thing that can possibly be true. No. This sounds like a story that we're all going to repeat, and then we're all going to forget about it tomorrow because we realize that it's a bunch of poppycock. Now, the software correctly identified dogs 52% of the time, much better than the human result. So, are they analyzing human barking also? I don't know. I, I really am unclear. This is like, didn't they have some software a couple of years ago that was supposedly going to translate baby noises? Now, your baby would gurgle right before he spat up on you, and it was going to translate whatever it was it was supposed to say, and that yeah. didn't work either. And this isn't even English. This is like dog talk. Yeah. Well, whatever. This guy wants to know if that last caller was wearing an onion on her belt. <laughs> Fantastic. 
Jesus. I have no idea where she was going with that. It was like this weird conversational thicket that I couldn't find my way through with a, with a machete. All right, here's Tim Riley. All right. Okay. Well, let's uh, visit now with... Uh... <laughs> You have no idea what's happening. I don't. Is, I just, you're just blindly reaching for things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Here's uh, Steve Jobs, who was present yesterday at uh, San Francisco's Moscone Center at the Macworld Expo. He presented a small, ultra-thin notebook dubbed the MacBook Air. My pot's down. Fits inside one of these envelopes that we've all seen floating around the office. Uh, take expert Larry Magid comments on Apple service... Sorry, that was me this time. That's my fault. Sorry. <laughs> Not that it matters at this time. Uh, tech expert Larry Magid comments on Apple service for online movie and TV show rentals. The advantage they have over cable and satellite is potentially an enormous library. They could have tens of thousands of movies that they download. They're not dependent on either broadcast schedules or the limited server space that, uh, wow. that Comcast and Dish Network and others have today. Is he really talking like that? Is a 50-year-old wearing a retainer. The advantage they have over cable and satellite is potentially an enormous library. They could have tens of thousands of movies that they download. They're not dependent on either broadcast schedules or the limited server space that, uh, that Comcast and Dish Network and others have today. That is wonderful. It was the whole story, even my interrupting of it with the TMZ live channel sound, uh, was worth it just to get to him saying limited server space. That's fantastic. Excellent. Uh, this email, this is a good point. Rick, about that dog translating software. <laughs> <laughs> he has a really good point, and I was thinking this, because the, the software tells you if the dog is sitting up, lying down, or doing nothing. He says, can't you just tell these things by looking at the dog? <laughs> Call me crazy. No, that is true. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, it's a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Uh, you hi. realize what that uh, group has done with the dog translator thing? They've taken an idea from the Simpsons. You remember uh, when Homer's brother showed up? He's all poor and destitute, and uh, uh, he had the idea for the baby translator? Yes. It measures the frequency and pitch of a baby's whine and tells you what the baby's thinking. Yes, you know, I do. It turns out Maggie is saying, I want what the dog's having. Yes. They've stolen that idea and made it reality. Well, this is another gift the Simpsons has given to the world. It, it really is true. They are, uh, they are the proverbial onion on your belt that you can continuously unpeel for new exciting ideas. That there is true, go. sir. All right, thank you. Uh oh, the Jamie Lynn story was just removed from page six. Sorry, the requested URL was not found on the server. Maybe it has been moved, or maybe it was incorrect, <laughs> or maybe we don't want to be sued. Uh, uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi. Hi. How Wait, you doing, hold Rick? on a second, just before you do anything. What are the odds that we think this woman's going to be crazy, Sarah? She sounds pretty normal. Tim, mm -hmm. I think she's normal. I give it one and three that you're crazy. Go ahead. Okay. Well, hello, sir. Hello, Tim. Hello. hello. Thank you for not calling me crazy. Well, oh, no problem. I, I appreciate it. Anyway, uh, Rick. Yeah. Rectal exams. I wanted to talk to you about rectal exams. Hold on. Would anybody like to revise their guess? <laughs> no, she sounds educated about rectal exams. We should all be so lucky. Please continue with the rectal exam discussion. Okay. Wait, can we get that woman on the show yesterday who was offended by our filth talk? Uh, okay, go ahead. Okay, okay. I was in the hospital for uh, pancreatitis, and they wouldn't give me anything by mouth, okay? And I had a horrible headache. And so I told the nurse, and she said, well, we could e either give you morphine, IV, or we could give you a rectal suppository of Tylenol or aspirin. And 
being sort of a rectal virgin. I didn't want to go wow. that route. <laughs> okay. Uh huh. Uh, but, but yeah. I mean, but let me ask you this. Let's back yeah, up for a second. Okay. Uh, you have a headache. Uh-huh. They offer you, I'm still back on the choice between aspirin and morphine. Yeah. Why, I mean, can they not, I cannot believe we're having this discussion. Okay. We are speaking, hold on, we are speaking now medically. Medically, yeah. Speaking, speaking of medical procedures on this news talk radio station. Can they not give you morphine rectally? Um, Why no. is it morphine intravenously or aspirin rectally? Because that latter choice seems bad in every way. Like, who would possibly choose option B? Okay. Give me something less effective in my butt. Okay. I, I, could, I had pancreatitis, so they couldn't give me anything. <laughs> and we're back at the beginning. No, no seriously. I, I, they couldn't give me anything by mouth, okay? Yeah, but... So, but, but they already had IV in me right. to give me saline. Yes. Okay. So, so putting morphine in my IV drip was very easy for them to do. Right. But, I mean, why? I guess what I'm saying is... Why can they give you morphine intravenously, but they give you aspirin rectally? In other words, you know what I mean? Why, like, why can't they give you both either way? Um, uh, well, appara appara apparently they couldn't give me aspirin in a drip. There is but no can't they give you morphine rectally? Um, I don't know. They usually don't because they want to titrate it. They want to, you know, they want to know how much they're giving you. Right. Okay. Talk to your wife. But anyway, um, so, 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 the, nurse, lost, so I... the nurse said, okay, I can give, give you the aspirin. Uh, yeah. And I said, no, I don't really want it. She said, it'll be easy. I said, no, I don't really want it. It doesn't mean anything if I give it to you rectally. I said, no, I don't want it. doesn't mean we're engaged or anything. It doesn't mean we have to go to the prom. Exactly. It doesn't mean anything. So the nurse, the nurse was, the nurse. Like, you have to start wearing her letterman's jacket around? Was she aggressive trying to get? Yeah, she was really aggressive. Did she have, like, a flat top? and? No, she looked like your average nurse. Uh-huh. But she was really upset. And I said, I said, you know, okay. Well, she gets so little excitement probably in her job. Yeah, yeah, just give me the morphine. But um, All right. anyway, so I just wanted to tell you that some, some medical professionals yeah. are very pushy. All right, excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. You, by the way, you didn't sound crazy at all. Well, I, I do in days. But all right. Today I don't. All right. Anyway, Th thank okay, you. Bye. Thank you. Bye now. <laughs> KCMD Portland. Thank you. Hi, Tim. Hello. <laughs> going out to prepare more news? Yeah, yeah. Try to. Oh, what are those cute little puppies? Oh, is that a news story? It's part of the news story about the uh, the dog language. Are we gonna? Oh, oh, you know, there's a big dog oh. show going out the uh, the expo center. Is there? Yeah. Look. Oh, uh, all right. Are you gonna try to? Uh, are you gonna go prepare news while we try to get this show back on the rails somehow? Yeah, I'll be back. Not anytime real soon, though. I'm <laughs> sensing. Okay, uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back with Jim Roop in Las Vegas. Uh, we will do the top five without fail today, just so I can get it done. Uh, let's see. Tim Riley returns at the bottom of the hour. Like us at three. Donna Mike at 70. Say there's the Rick Emerson Show. Here's the Dry County Crooks. I give that ring, hoping she'd be true to me. That soon find it was drunk sincerity. Emerson radio program. This email says, Rick, do you suppose that different dogs around the world have different barking dialects? Oh, I shouldn't have read this. Or do different species of dogs have different ways of barking? 
sign forward slash your dog wants to stay. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know. But now we're going to have to talk about it for like 20 minutes. So there you go. Cue science calls about dogs around the world barking differently. And about cows in Germany saying like, meh, instead of moo or something. Ladies and gentlemen, from Las Vegas, Nevada. Hating every moment of his wretched, drunken existence this week, Jim Roop. Hello, sir. <laughs> it's true, is it not? It is, it is so true. <laughs> it is so true, man. You sound like the loopiness has set in. Uh, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of shocked at the outcome of the hearing today. Well, I really thought that, uh, I thought the state put up a good argument for either a bail revocation or for a uh, million dollars bail and house arrest, and the, I think the judge wimped out here. Even though she she sounded a lot like my wife, man, you know, the way she yelled at him. But, you know, he's he's still, you know, he's he's put up, he has to put up 37 grand. It's not even his money. His friends wired the money right, here. Right. He still has nothing to lose. You know, it, it's, just, it's just amazing to me that this guy, no wonder he thinks he can't be touched. That's, I mean, as somebody said the other day, the reason that he thinks he's bulletproof is because we keep indicating to him that he is. That's exactly right. I we mean, did it again today. <laughs> I mean, he must just feel utterly invulnerable at this point. He is impervious. Yeah, he's, he's standing there, or sitting there, rather, in, in his blue jail garb with his handcuffs on, and, and the judge says, I'm going to double that bail, and he gives that little look like, oh, no, no, double the bail. Please don't double the bail, judge. Please don't. And, he, you know, meanwhile, he's going, <laughs> Uh, I'll be home for dinner. Yeah. You know? Uh, Holy mackerel. I mean, and how many times has that happened to that guy where we all think he's going to be going away and instead he's home in time to watch the game this I, afternoon? I swear, man, I, it was everything I could do not to stand up and say, wait, hold, hold the phone here, Judge. <laughs> you really should have. I would have paid your bail for contempt. Oh, my God. I, I felt like, you got to be kidding me, lady. You started out so strong. And you, you wimped out here. Well, I mean, what what possible motivation can you even speculate on why she might have buckled like a belt and just caved like this? I think because because it was so convoluted in the first place. The bail bondsman who put up the bail originally had some kind of deal with OJ. We found out in this hearing that OJ didn't. You know, you're supposed to have a, you're supposed to have put up fifteen percent of the bail. Right. Right. That would have been I don't know fifteen grand or something. Of the hundred twenty-five thousand uh, dollars, apparently this guy has had this bail bonds company for about a year and a half. Wanted some notoriety. He told OJ, "Don't worry about it. I'll even put up the forty bucks for the to pay for the paper right. file, and uh, we'll work it out in the end." So he never expected to get paid from OJ anytime soon, and and then he goes and he gets him and brings it back for violating his bail. So the judge is going, but. But there was no bail. <laughs> he didn't post anything. Uh, so if he didn't post anything, what are you doing going to go get him? You know, yeah, he made the phone call, but the phone call was made in December, in, in November. It's January. <laughs> what is going on here? So I think she really had no choice but to do what she did. I just think it should have been severe. I think it should have been half a million. I think it, the state wanted a million bucks because they knew she'd slash it in half and be a half a million. Right. And house arrest. I thought, what's wrong with that? That's perfect. Make them, make them put up, you know, 15% of a half million dollars. Make them sit at home until this thing's over. In the meantime, he, he can only travel in the continental United States. Oh, wow, what a bummer. Right. You know? The guy's, the guy's a moron, and, and, and he's skating through life on it. I mean, it really, by the time this is all over, whether he ends up going to jail on this thing or not, I mean... Oh, he ain't going to jail. 
He ain't. Are you kidding me? No, I, it, I'm convinced now. Hey, not now. He'll sit there. We'll go through this damn trial. It'll be three, four months, and then when it's all said and done, slap on the wrist, a little bit of fine. And, uh, you know, go away, O.J. You know, what you you really ought to contrive to do is not even really to be in the courtroom, but just to be standing next to Fred Goldman when they let him go again. I mean, when they... When... Hand, hand Fred the gun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hold really... this for me, Fred. Geez, I can't... You know, what they ought to do is, you as some sort of a reality, like a news reality program, it just arrange for on live television to have a blood pressure cuff. Put on Fred Goldman right at the moment when they read the O.J. verdict when they let him walk again. As they it, monitor his heart. I mean, yeah, really, just to see if he just flat out keels over of thrombosis or whatever right then. I mean, Jesus. I mean, it really is. It is. I cannot imagine how many man hours O.J. Simpson, how much legal time has he just chewed up in his last 15 years on this planet? I mean, it's just unbelievable. So, I mean, I, I would be curious to see someday a study about the amount of uh, income that was generated to whoever because of O.J. Simpson. Yeah. In terms of the DA, in terms of a defense team, in terms of bailiffs, book publishers, reality TV producers, news people, e-television. How much money O.J. Simpson has been responsible for in the last however long it's been, 12 years or whatever it is? I don't so, know, but you know, it, it's like you said, no wonder yeah. he thinks he can't be touched. Ugh. We uh, keep telling him he can't. No problem, OJ. Here, why don't you steal my car? Here, my sister's over in the other room. You know, come on, go ahead. Have your way with the entire world. Holy cow. That really is Just why hand we... Hand the keys to the city. There you go. That, that is why we love you, Jimmy. You, you give the uh, you give the unvarnished truth, my friend. You really do speak for all of us. On, Rick, it's ridiculous. Um, I know it is. Um... Well, okay, there you go. And then they have you they have you talking about this thing with the Democrats and the debate and the whatever. Yeah, but, uh, big deal. Yeah. I just well, Hey, OJ for president, why not? <laughs> you should start pushing that right now. You know, you, you might as well. You and uh you know, you and Greta Van Susteren or whoever can team up in a bit of cross promotional whatever. Ew. Oh, I guess she works for the other guys now, her and her weird looking cat face. Um she well, better than I do. Yeah, well, what can you do? Well, after that much plastic surgery I would hope she looked at least decent, although her eyes never got back to normal. I mean, they gave Greta Van Susteren that big makeover, and her eyes looked all strange, and now we've just sort of agreed to pretend that it doesn't look weird. You know what I mean? But you have, you, you, if, you, if you ever stand in front of her and talk to her, uh -huh. you, you, you got to kind of look away. you got to do one of those conversations where you're looking around, conversation. It's really hard. Is, is it because, because of her eyes? You, you don't know what you're looking you, You're afraid you're going to start staring. Well, I, is she sort of like when somebody has like a like one of the, like an odd eye and you're not yeah, quite sure which one to look at? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, she was sort That's of a pretty good analogy. Yeah, I mean, you know, not like she was a, a a gorgeous woman before. She was sort of plain, but I mean, not completely hideous. And she got this weird plastic surgery, and it really was like she went and just said, "Make me look like a Siamese house cat." <laughs> and then she came out, and I remember looking at her. And I remember Drudge ran a whole... Drudge was the most horrifying thing. I went to Drudge one day, and above the fold was just a huge picture of Greta Van Susteren, and I remember actually kind of going, ah, and sort yeah. of pulling pulling away from the monitor a little bit. Oh, yeah, I mean, at, at least, you know, I mean, I, I, I know I have no room to talk, but my ugliness is natural. You know what? But you know what? You have a certain organic beauty, sir. <laughs> a certain realness to you. What, like a stalk of broccoli? Yes, exactly like that. Uh, so how long are you there? When do you get to go home? I asked if I could go home this afternoon, but they said no. I got to hang around here for. How ironic that OJ gets to go home and you have to stay. Oh, now that hurts. <laughs> that, 
OJ's at home floating in his swimming pool, and you're stuck in your in your Vegas hotel. Hey, you, you ain't leaving yet. See you later. <laughs> yeah, okay, OJ. High five you on his way to the limo. That's right. Oh, I'm sorry, brother. Well, my advice to you is to start drinking heavily, or in your case, continue drinking heavily. <laughs> All right, thank you, my friend. All right, take care. Jim Roop in Las Vegas, hating his life. Fantastic. All right, should we listen to these uh, Richie, uh, these purported cuts of Richie from Girls Gone Wild? Absolutely. I know. You know why? He doesn't want us to. After all this buildup, it it may be anticlimactic. He um, he says these are clean. Richie, these are clean. All right. Should we bring him in or listen to him without him? We'll listen to him without him and then bring him in. So backstory: somebody claimed that they have a Girls Gone Wild DVD in which someone who sounds a lot like Richie can be heard speaking off camera. We talked to Richie about it, and Richie, for whatever reason, he didn't reveal this to us before, said that he had taped women engaged in various sexual acts and had sent that footage to Girls Gone Wild, hoping to, like, you know, get on board as a filmmaker with them. Uh, So he said it was not, like, out of the question that his voice would be on a Girls Gone Wild DVD. So I have now the cleaned up but otherwise unaltered audio and I, keep in mind, I don't know what's going on on the screen, although I believe it was a woman engaged in some act of self-pleasure. So this voice we hear, the male voice here, is purportedly that of Richie, but he claims it's not him. So uh, we'll go ahead and uh, fire this up and, and, and kind of see what it sounds like here. Come on. Come in. This is the hotel room. All right. That's not Richie. That's not Richie. That sounds like a large is black man. Is there another man. one? What? I mean, is there another guy? Maybe that isn't supposed to be him. Beautiful. This is my luxury. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for the people that don't know, you're down here on Memorial. Well, it's a little deeper than Richie's voice. It's a little more like gangster. No, as I say, it, does, it sounds like a black but man's voice, but I could like be wrong. But I've heard him talking like that before. He, 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 maybe he's put... Now, does Richie have some sort of sex voice that he puts on when girls call the, the, the show? Have we ever heard that? Because Clyde used to do that. Clyde had this move where you could tell the gender of the person calling the program because he would answer, Rick Emerson show. Oh, hi. What's your name? Well, I should take call sometime this week. That's a, or have one of your girlfriends do it. Oh. Have, uh, you know, Heather, Kelsey, whoever, call the show and just and, and just see if Richie goes, Rick Emerson show. Oh, they have some kind of recording device, though. Totally. It, it does, like, if Richie were able to lower his voice, it might be this. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for the people that don't know, you're down here on Memorial yeah. Day break or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe if he was <gasps> drunk a little Wait, bit. Wait, a little drunk. If he was a little high or something. Yeah. Good girl. Good girl. I'm glad I ran into you. We had to stop and get my camera, but everything's okay now. Right? Nah, that's not No, me. it doesn't. It's and too then, low. And there's like a lisp. There's like, yeah. you hear his S, there's a weird... Yeah, no, that that isn't Richie. I mean, the speaking pattern is is somewhat similar. But the thing I love about this is the fact it made Richie admit that he does submit tapes like that. Totally, that like, like who he had does to. That? No, I, I mean, well, I mean, I'm not one to pass judgment, but uh, have you seen Primary Colors? No. Okay, no, never mind. It just reminds me of something in Primary Colors. But um, there's, I almost, I almost don't want to say it because if anybody hasn't seen the movie, I don't want to give away the twist ending. Uh, well, I won't. I'm just saying. There is a sequence of Primary Colors, which is a really good movie. Does that have Tom Cruise in it? No, John Travolta. Uh, You're confusing Scientologists. John John Travolta, Emma Thompson, Kathy Bates, Billy Bob Thornton. It's a great film. Okay. Um, But uh, where 
John Travolta as Governor Jack Stanton um, didn't do something, but while trying to address the situation, reveals that he believes he might have. So he believes he, it's possible that he's guilty of something. It turns out that he's not. But you, during the movie, he reveals that he thinks it's possible that he is guilty of this thing. Okay. Um, and so that's what this, that's what Richie was like here. He revealed, he sort of betrayed his belief that it might be him. <laughs> uh, uh, you in school? Or you, you, out? you just graduated high school probably, yeah. huh? Yeah, if Richie was, was black, this is exactly what he would sound yeah, like. Yeah, this is Richie's oh, black man. So just, just so we can know, uh, you've got breasts, of course. Smooth. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of talk that well clearly does get the ladies, I guess. Rick, I see you have ears. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, I was about to make a joke that wouldn't make sense to anybody but Sarah. All right. One, I could give one, two, uh, two of them. Just one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, how would you rate them on a grade of, like, A to F? He's asking her to rate her own breasts? I believe he is, Sarah. That's the way to a woman's heart, apparently. He's asking her to rate them, I guess, not in size, but in quality or A to A through F rating? I guess, like in school or oh, okay. something. Yeah, not in size, I don't think. <laughs> Oh, no, you tell me. <laughs> wow. I think they're average. They're all right. Yeah. Okay, we're going to be done with that. Yeah, that's not Richie. That is uh, <laughs> that is perhaps Richie's lost soul brother. Well, okay. Uh, but now, let me ask you this. It just We can speak honestly here. Now, in a, in a weird kind of way, don't you sort of perversely want to see some of the footage that Richie has shot and submitted? Like, don't you want to kind of see what, what that guy does? I don't know. I'm sort of curious. I don't know if I want to start down that path. Are you afraid of where it might lead? I mean, do you... I mean, quite literally, Rishi worked for our show for like two weeks, and then the next weekend he's having sex in a swingers club. That is true. Like, do you really want to go down that path? I do guess not. Do you want not. to know what's I, going on there? No, but I mean, I guess like I've already learned so much at this point that... He spends his nights vomiting with the pimp squad, <laughs> and then goes and stoops random chicks at a, at a sex club. Excellent bonus points for for Yiddish, by the way. Spends his nights vomiting with the pimp squad. Is that going to be like on his Match.com profile? Likes racquetball and candlelight dinners. Also vomiting with the pimp squad. Oh, uh, Richie is wonderful. like he's very ta- he's a very talented, like friendly, creative guy, but he just has this dark like. Sexual side. It, it really. It's not even dark. It's just the, sort the, of the, the seedy sexual that's, side. Almost. That's what I'm. That's that's really where I was. What I was going to say right there. That's what that is. Um, it just doesn't. It doesn't accompany his personality. You would never guess it. And again, no. I'm fine. You know, whatever. God love him. To each his own. It, but you're right. It is just sort of. It's not what you would expect. You are really right about that. I guess my thing is like I'm thinking that it's like I've already learned so much more than I wanted to with the swingers club that like. Knowing what he submitted to Girls Gone Wild would be a step back. Like it would be, it would be a step below that on the uncomfortability scale. So, well, I don't know. But I know, but I know what you mean, and yes, I probably would watch it. Yeah. Just to see. You can't <laughs> not. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's you would you would have to. All right, I'll go ahead and play us into break here, and uh, see if we. Uh... Wait, wait, wait! Over here. Why, hello. Hello. I'm Timmy Ryan. I'm Richie. And uh, <laughs> Richie just totally puked because he's a light drunk and he's Vietnamese and he can't hold alcohol. He can only start. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's known as. <laughs> Timmy Ryan was in the hallway a second ago. Say that again. That's known as the Asian. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> that is uh, Richie Bristol's mess. 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wonderful. And we're spent. Hey, Richie, you're disgusting. Welcome to Rookie Camp. Look, I had tear cut. <laughs> Richie, I remember my first beer, too. Richie's the mascot for Amateur Night Bush League Hour. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny, dude. Uh, That's hilarious. Look, it's, it's, hand. it's squirming. It looks like something from the Hormel family. <laughs> yeah, it looks like something you buy oh God. at like. I need a napkin. <laughs> Use your pants. <sighs> All right, that's enough. Broadcasting from deep within the suck, this is the Rick Emerson Show on AM 970 Solid State Radio. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Tim Riley, name this Hanna-Barbera theme song. Johnny Quest. Well done. Okay, so now I'm con- I was wrong earlier when that guy called and said that he dropped off the Hanna-Barbera CD that I got in it. There's two of them. So a guy dropped off a Hanna-Barbera CD last night, and then this guy Thatcher just dropped one off today. So I actually now have two different sets, different track listings, too. All right, I will, uh, I will of course, not duplicate this. That would be wrong. I will commit it all to memory. And stuff. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. One person was hurt this morning when ten cars came what? together. I said one person was hurt this okay. morning. When ten cars came together at an icy road north of Hillsboro, ten vehicles were involved in two crashes on Northeast Chute Road. Icy conditions caused them. Several motorists tried to stop and ended up sliding into one another. This just in... Wait, hold on. Do I need the breaking news sounder? You do. For the love of God. Hold on just one second. This just in. Ike Turner died of a cocaine overdose. Oh. Ike Turner died of a cocaine overdose. That from the San Diego County Coroner's Office. Apparently he abused cocaine. And that resulted in cocaine, cocaine toxicity. Ike's daughter, Mia... Said that her father's drug use was an ongoing struggle. He died December 12th. Wow, it took that long to get that? December 12th. So Ike Turner died of cocaine. Matchmaking efforts are underway. <laughs> as Jennifer Aniston's famous friends help fulfill the unhappy divorcee's self-declared New Year's theme, Looking for Love, Aww. 2008. Apparently, uh, Toby McGuire and his wife, uh, Jennifer, recently came to their uh, contribution. They tried to fix her up with uh, Nikki Hilton's ex, Kevin Connolly. Apparently, the two were spotted vacationing in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. And uh, apparently, there were some uh, photographers there taking their pictures, too. That's that. Uh, the longest-running musical, Rent, is giving its final regards to Broadway. The show will play its final performance on the Great White Way June 1st. After 12 years there. Wait, you don't have the... Rent is being evicted. Oh, I should have done that. Uh, that's okay. You can do it later today. All right. All right. That's it for now. But you'll have more. Yes, I will. This afternoon. Yes. At 4, 5, 6, and 7. Top of the hour all the way through Lycus. All the way. Okay. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the uh, history of the world. Thank you. No, thank you, Tim Riley. <laughs> all right. Uh, Timmy Ryan. 
You can. Uh, I saw Timmy Ryan lurking in the hallway. Yeah, what's he doing here so early and sober? I, I don't know the. Uh, well, well, mm-hmm. you're half right. Um, let's have it. We'll have him join. By the way, this email says, "Hey, neither of you have seen a drunken and slapping Richie." Uh, Oh, I have seen the drunk and slapping down the wallet at a strip club, Richie. When he talks with the Pimp Squad members, it's normally high-voiced Richie. But when he is trying to get his pimp on, as he indeed does, his voice uh, drops and get all, gets all gangsta, uh, says Aaron. So, uh, so welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Timmy Ryan, hello, sir. Stop. You're looking oh. freshly scrubbed today. Scrub? You look, like, dirty. <laughs> <laughs> you need a good hosing, Timmy. How's life? It's fantastic. All right. What did uh, you do last night? Um, let's see. I drank a lot and went to bed. Have you lost weight? Really? Like recently? Does it look like it? Yes. You look um, sort of sickly and pale. Sickly and pale? That's because the last time you saw me, I was unshaven and had like nine pounds of hair on my head. All right. Well, okay. Mm. Oh, by the way, um, I have a funny story about why I don't have nine pounds of hair on my head. Okay. And this is true. You can't beat me here because it's totally true. I got my hair cut by a whore. No. Like an actual whore? Was well, the one that you slept with? No. Her last name was H-O-A-R. And I only noticed that after looking at at her 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 little uh, her station, uh-huh. her little hair cutting station. It's an H O A R, and I'm like, how do you pronounce that? She's like, how do you think you pronounce that? A whore. So I got my hair cut by a whore. That's... Did you tell her that? Yep. You know what? I went to school with a girl whose last name was Ho. H O. I swear to God. We've had these stories. Remember, and I told you about my CCD teacher. No. His name was Debbie Fajot. Oh, really? F-A-G-G-O-T. Uh-huh. I had like, a really hot CCD teacher. Like my, she got mad to, at me because I kept looking. You went to CCD, really? Yeah. So my father had that co-worker. His last name was D-E-A-T-H. He, and he insisted it was spelled or pronounced Deeth. Deeth. Yeah, totally. Yeah, when like I didn't go to Catholic school, my mom forced me to go to that stuff. And I hated it. Uh, okay, so first of all, did you want to give the backstory on how you got schooled by a girl at poker the other night? I'm yeah. going to give you a chance to clear that up right all now. All right, so the backstory is Richie calls me up. We go to this poker game, uh, this really nice house, mm-hmm. really nice people. And um, I think it was like hand number two or three. Pre-flop, this girl raises. I mean, she just this huge raise, and I look down at my cards because I'm the last act. I'm like, ace is fantastic. So I re-raise her, and then she goes all in. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Fine. I mean, what worst case scenario, she has kings or something. And you have pocket aces. I have pocket aces. Okay. On the flop comes nine jack jack. She had a pair. She had a pair of jacks, so she hit quad jack. So I, I got Rick Emerson. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for quad, calling when, it that. Qu- by the way, when, qu- when quads come, <laughs> all right. When you have pocket aces, that's called. Rick Emerson. It really is. As long as it wasn't to Richie, though, because Richie's the guy who always manages to, like... And here's the thing about Richie. uh, Richie Richie could have really been kicking ass, but he has ADD. Like, he had a pretty good stack, and he was hanging around for a while. Right. He just kind of said, F it, and went in, like, on a 2-9 or something. (laughs) I'm done playing. He's like, I'm bored. I just want to go. And then we went to Scott Daly's buddy's uh, after uh, um, wedding ceremony party. The bachelor party. Yeah, we, we just got hammered. Really? Behold my shock. It was a great night. Before we talk about your date tonight... So do you ever meet any girls when you're out? Well, yeah, of course. We're going to get to that actually in a second. The, the, the pimp squad or just by myself? I don't know. I would guess you, both. Would oh, you, I mean, no, I, actually, I usually meet girls when I'm out by myself, but I uh, haven't met a whole lot of them with the pimp squad. Yet. Would you say that the pimp squad is more of a help or a detriment when it comes to meeting the fairer sex? Well, it's not that bad. Um, uh, let's see here. At the party the other night, okay, Scott Daly's buddies uh, after... His bachelor party. Yeah, whatever. I mean, no, the after, the after wedding party. Oh, the reception, that's yeah, right. Yeah, the reception, yeah. I guess that's what yeah. you call it, yeah. over at the, uh, the governor or whatever. Yeah. yeah, there was a bunch of girls who kind of recognized me. Wait, hold there was on. a bunch of drunk girls who, who just saw one of their best friends get married and they're desperate to hold on, let me... in contact. <laughs> that, was kind of, that was kind of my methodology oh, of, of going me... to this thing, but I didn't get it. But let me back up for a second. How is it that you, wasn't there an open bar there? 
Yeah, but they closed it down, and then uh, the the woman who was bartending got mad because I just kept grabbing beer, and she told me that she had to serve it to me. But I mean, what? How is it that you came to be invited to Scott to the reception of a guy you don't even know? Well, okay, because I, because I went to his bachelor party. Dave, right. Dave's name, and he's a cool guy. And then uh, we got the um, text message from Scott Daly saying, Timmy Ryan, you're coming out tonight. And I said, okay, let's do it. And, uh, all right, then. Uh, so let's back up for just one second. Uh, when, when Richie is out with the Pimp Squad, when he is speaking to the ladies, would you say that he uses the same voice, his normal speaking voice, or does his voice change in some way? He kind of sounds like Cheech a little bit. <laughs> yeah, hey, man. Hey. Really? Yeah, yeah. Hey, man. Oh, yeah, man. He does get a little, like, grumbly. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Dude, oh, my God. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, he does, that is present, actually, a little bit in this, uh, in this, uh, let's see. Where did I, where did I just put I this? was, I don't have any cans in here, but I, I did hear it before. No, I, well, you, you were there. This is I the, was in, um, I was in the Ricky room second. back there. Let's see. Wait, wait, wait. Over here. Why, hello. Hello. I'm Timmy Ryan. I'm Richie. Yeah, right there when you get a little gravelly yeah, like that. That kind of could sound like Richie when we're out and about. Yeah. All right. Uh, I know you wanted to. Uh, I know you wanted to talk about the date that you're going on tonight. <gasps> you asked me to talk about the date, and I will. Okay. You're going on a <laughs> listen date. Listen to that. Listen to this. I'm, uh, uh, I'm well, not ashamed. It's with a certain young gentle lady, and we're going to uh, going to go to church, <laughs> and then we're going to. Okay. Where where what? where okay. did you meet her? Where did you meet her? No, I'm. Tell her, tell Sarah who it is. It's Tabby, the girl across the street at the Plaid Pantry. <laughs> now In the KUFO building. Now is uh, great. So now everybody can go by. You dated Timmy Ryan. Well, no, I don't see. I don't know if it's a full-out date. Okay, so what happened? Okay, when I I first met her one night when I was here. Okay, now was... which girl is this? Because there's you're not talking about the girl that works there during the day. She sometimes. I mean, she's short. She's cute. She's kind of bubbly and outgoing. So you're focusing on her personality before describing what she looks like. She's a sweet she's blonde. Spirit. No, uh -huh. no. And her name funny, is Tabby. Her name what is Tabby. Funny you should say sweet spirit because she is from Utah. What celebrity would you say she most resembles? Oh God, I'm gonna have to say. Um, I God, Reese Witherspoon. Kind she of a, works at the plaid pantry and she resembles Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> she's kind of like a Reese Witherspoon Kirsten Dunst mix because they kind of. How do you spell Tabby? T a b b y. Uh-huh. All right. And so uh, she. So you've gone over and you've... Now, what do you usually purchase when you go to the pet pantry? In other words, what do you... though. More of everything good. Is that really what you buy? Because that's what I buy when I go over. No, usually when I go over there, I get, like, cheap wine or some beer, you know, when I'm here later. So she I knows you... my 70 seconds bits. She knows you as the guy who buys cheap wine before coming to work. Right, because here's the backstory. So I'm here late at night getting some stuff done here. Uh -huh. And, I, of course, sometimes I need a beer just to kind of get loosened up to get <laughs> rock and rolling. Of course. And so I go over there. I'm like, who is this? And we start talking. <laughs> Why, hello, young lady. And she's new. And, and, and she's like, yeah, I should give you a call sometime. So I gave her my number. And, you know, of course, like a month goes past. I don't mm -hmm. hear from her. And the other night, uh, I get this phone call saying, hey, this is Tabby. We should hang out. And so we're going to be hanging out tonight. We're going to be going to a, a show. Now, uh, a show? what show are you going to? See, if I, if I tell everybody, everyone's going to start showing up and ruin my game. Nobody's going to show yeah, up and ruin yeah, your yeah, game, yeah, Portland is going to descend. Portland is going to descend on whatever the locale is. Okay. We're, okay. By the thousands. Once again, we're going to be hanging out and enjoying each other's company You'll and have having to, a beer. You have to get a supplemental bouncer at the door. Are you to... going to pick her up? Are you guys just going to meet at the plaid when she gets off? <laughs> <laughs> Let's meet in the stock She's a music. No, she's a music producer and promoter on the side. Uh -huh. The plaid just kind of, you know, got her foot in the door of like... Supplemental income. Unemployment. Of course. Right. So what show are you going to? Uh, it's I think it's at the tonic tonight actually. But uh, who? What is the? Uh, is there? What is the act? 
I don't know, but I know that she said we should go. Yeah, and I she's she's sleeping today, and then she said she wanted a tan, which is weird because she's a total white girl. And then you know I think I might be picking her up, so we'll see. But see, if I do pick, let me her, ask you this: Is this Tabby? Do you really? No. Oh, <laughs> no. Like no, not at all. She's no. kind of Reese. <laughs> I, you know, I something that rhymes with I that. I really enjoy hanging out with really good-looking girls. Uh-huh. So if they're really not good-looking, then oh, I don't want to so hang different out. Different than everybody else. <laughs> I dig how deep you are. <laughs> well, no, it's like everybody has it. Everybody supposedly has that horror Dude, it's story. Special. <laughs> everybody who everybody see everybody has that horror story of like, yeah, can't believe what I was thinking last night. I've never had one of those. Does she have a child? No, no, of course not. I don't. Da- I don't date girls with kids. How old would you say she is? Uh, actually, she is 22, about to hit 23. Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw a 22-year-old one back then. All right, hold on. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I can't hear anything. Hello? Hi. Hey, I got a little comment regarding the Tom Cruise tape you guys played earlier. But uh-huh. You had uh, some guests there, so I kind of cut out a little bit. But yes. The music that was playing underneath it, was that yours? Or no, that... that's that's theirs. They, the Scientology folks did that with the Mission Impossible theme. It's just creepy and weird. No, I first I thought it was Chris Isaacs. I did a bad, bad thing. No, no, it's the Mission Impossible. What? No, it's the Mission Impossible theme. No, I, I, well, it, it's that's what it's caught me at first. That's why I was calling. It's like I, I was wondering if that's that's why I was wondering. No, if it's. I guess I could see for the the, the, little, the little intro of that song. No, it is the Mission Impossible theme, sir. It's just it's bizarre in any event, though. Of course that. Yeah. All right. And, and to just uh, quote the uh, gentleman from uh, Casablanca uh, yeah. regarding Tim, uh, uh, Mr. Turner, yeah. I'm sh- shocked that he did uh, cocaine. Yes, stunned. All right, thank you. Bye now. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hey. hey. Um, just calling to apologize for the big letdown with the Richie thing. Oh, are you the person who submitted the audio? Yes, that's my video. All right, excellent. All right, yeah, it doesn't sound anything. I mean, it sounds sort of like Richie if if he were in fact uh, someone else. Yes. Yeah, I guess I guess because I've only heard him on the radio on the on the phone. But um, uh, when can I get that back? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'll put you on hold and talk to Richie about that. All right. Uh, yeah. What? Yes. Yes. Uh, one more thing. Yeah. Um, are you you're a poker player? Uh, badly. Casual. Well, there's a great there's a great place in uh, Portland. They have uh, tournaments every night. Uh, you know, Biddy's. What? There, I know better than you. Oh, Biddy McGraw. Biddy McGraw, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I haven't played in a while. Usually, I go there and then my wife takes all my money in front of everybody and it's emasculated. Yeah, her lore is so. pretty good. Yeah, no, she's much better That's than I. That's what I hear. Yeah, she's the but player. It's, a, it's like a poker club and it's like twenty dollars to thirty dollars a night, and uh, they got like pool tables and uh, snack bars. What about and strippers? Um, strippers might be playing poker, but they have a masseuse, actually. They have a masseuse on Friday night. Excellent. It's awesome. Thank you, sir. All right. right. I just got a great text message from Scott Daly saying, Tim Ryan, tap and tabby, booyah. What, really? Yeah, that's what Scott just Tapping Tabby Booyah. Tim Ryan, Tapping Tabby Booyah. Well, no, is there something... Really tapping anything? Well, We're going to enjoy more... each other's company. And, and is there something... Are you nervous? You... No. no I'd be kind of nervous. Is there something that happens, though? Though? You're going to have to see her over there when you're buying your cheap wine. Then. And, no, it's and more, importantly, more importantly, we will ridicule you, but is there something that happens with guys who get divorced where they suddenly have to start... Want everyone around them to be promiscuous? And they have to start talking like Vince Vaughn? Oh, I, I have a story about uh, uh, Scott the other night. But really, before before we get to that, is it true that you were hitting on Aaron Duran's wife uh, while you were out? What? 
No. Aaron says, Timmy Ryan was um, hitting on my wife, Jen. He said... What? Aaron says, it was so cute, he kept trying to drop his pimposity on her. I kn- what? Really? No. No, not Aaron. No, dude. That, that never happened. Okay. I can promise you that never happened. What is your story about Scott Daly before we break here? Aaron says that? That's hilarious. Oh, okay. So... Uh, we were talking about porno music, and I said that of I was course. going to uh, name a song after, uh, you know, Scott's new flame. Uh-huh. And she got mad, and then, he, you know, he was about to punch me. The end. The end. He got mad that you were going to name a song after? What yeah. What was the song about, Timmy Ryan? Is the song, can you say you it on the air? porno song. Can you say it? Can you say the title on the air? Uh, do you and do you No, and because Scott it, will kick it, my ass. Write it down. Write do you it and down. Susie get along? No, she's cool. She's all right. Um, she's... He's writing down the uh, the name of the uh, the name of the song that he was. No, in no <laughs> way can you say that on the air. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, no. All right. Yeah, Scott didn't like Is that really, too much. Are they really vocal about like their sex life? Oh, you know they are. You know that that's... Like, I could see it to an uncomfortable degree. You know, because he's newly single. Like, he's newly divorced, newly single. And this is not... I don't, I'm not trying to pick on Scott. But you know how guys of a certain age are, especially if they are newly single, uh, that it's it's just... It's a whole lot of... Man, I've... She made me feel things I haven't felt in ten years. Actually, I sent you a message like that last year. Remember at your listener party? No. Okay, because I meant to come down to your listener party. I was seeing this girl named Teresa, Uh and it was just like nonstop, 24-7. She was like a minx. And then (laughs) then the the plan was to go to my pad, have a few beers, and go to the listener party. But she ended up coming to my pad and just like, you know, rocking my world all night. So I just never quite got down there. Okay. And then you're like, well, man has, you know, decisions in life. See you on the next one. All right. Okay. Timmy Ryan, ladies and gentlemen, okay. myspace.com slash Tim Ryan Radio. Um, All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Back after this to wrap it up. Like us next on a mic at 7 City. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. You stay there. Just for the record, we were talking to Timmy Ryan during the break. This is for you, Aaron. Aaron, this is for you. Timmy claims with a straight face that, it, in fact, your wife, Jen, was all over him. So get that image out of your head the next time. Next time you're trying to be next time you're trying to be intimate, you start thinking about that. Just picture that. I'm Timmy Ryan. Your wife's in my lap. <laughs> uh, Seems like there's a lolcat thing I could say there. I'm in your... Yeah? Who is that? Timmy Ryan is at the door. Ask him to come back in. Hello, Timmy Ryan. All right. I just want to point out that Richie said that Jen grabbed his ass um, at the reception. So there you go, Jen, in your face. Aaron, you guys rock, by the way. Bye, Timmy Ryan. So strange. Well, I'm not going to be responsible for what comes out of that. I cannot wait. Until he tells us about his plaid pantry date tomorrow. Ugh, yeah. Well, I yeah. I mean, he's got to come and talk about his plaid pantry date. Of course, because how could it be anything less? And than you guys stellar? have to go to the tonic and try and ruin it. Well, I don't know who this girl is, and I go to the plaid pantry a lot. There is a girl who works there during the day, and from his description, I know it's not that girl. So I don't think I've ever seen the girl he's talking about. Maybe I should go after the show. Maybe I'll walk over after the program and go. Uh, 
Oh, you totally should. Go check her out. Because the girl that's there in the morning is obviously a different girl. She just, she just looks, doesn't look like that. So, all right. Uh, how long until we're done with this godforsaken program? Two minutes. Really? Well, what am I going to kill two minutes with? I don't know. Somebody sent me a fun, a funny end of show clip. <sighs> how long is it? It's you saying something. Yeah. All right. Um, well, hold on here. Well, let me let me just amuse uh, Come on, everyone you by fill four hours a day. We can do two minutes. I can fill four hours. I can't fill two minutes. Uh, let's see. Uh, here's an email from Aaron about Scott Daly, which I'm not going to read. Uh, Rick, maybe I'm missing something, but I can't figure out why all the white hot rage for Doctor Phil. Sure, he's cloying and annoying, but why all of the blind rage? I can think of dozens of other people way more irritating than Doctor Phil. But then again, I've never really seen anything he's done outside of the bragging on yourself radio ad. <laughs> He don't, he honestly doesn't bother me at all. Oh, he oh he bugs the hell out of me. He bugs the f out of he's, me. Yeah, he's not even on my radar. Yeah, I can't. There's no. I mean, I don't hate him like more than. I mean, there's lots of people I hate more, but it would be it would be untrue, uh, to uh, be untrue to say that I don't hate Doctor Phil. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Uh, I'm as clueless as Danny Casanova from the PortlandJobFinder.com. Uh, that's all I got. I'm sorry. I'm in Grace Harbor County. I didn't think I'd get on. I just called to hear the, hear the radio while I was on hold. And mission accomplished, sir. I'll put you back on hold. Thank you, sir. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, did you ever figure out who was in the professional, the, the guy? Uh, I, well, I forget the guy. Oh, it's John Re- Jean Reno. Jean Reno. Jean yeah, Reno. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And that was a great movie. It's a fantastic film. I was going to get in earlier, but I no, was busy. The great film, though. Glad you're on board with that, sir. All right. Fantastic. Thank you. Jacques Renault right. was the bad guy in Twin Peaks. One of them. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, I can kill 30 seconds. Uh, you were talking about superhero the other day for the cheap uh, late-night movies and stuff. Hello? Yeah. What? You were talking about Elvira and then the guy. Yeah, about Commander USA's groovy movies right. on USA. Well, yeah. Me and my friend, uh, we invented a superhero. His name was Puss Man. He wouldn't do anything, but he'd tell on you if he saw you do something. <laughs> okay, that's funny. Okay, so you can trademark that and write a whole Puss Man comic book. All right, thank you, hey, sir. I, I'm telling Superman. <laughs> okay, that is kind of funny. Thank there you. you. You're welcome. All right. Well, then he killed 30 seconds. Excellent. He really did. Just as advertised. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondents James Roop and Lisa Desjardins, as well as uh, uh, Brian Wheat from Tesla, uh, who joined us today. So that was fantastic. Uh, coming up tomorrow, uh, Dorothy uh, Casaseri from the National Enquirer will join us on the Rick Emerson Show. And then Friday, Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. Uh, we want to thank uh, Timmy Ryan as well. You can find out more at myspace.com slash Tim Ryan Radio. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM970 Solid State Radio. Proud part of the CBS Radio family. In the newsroom, uh, Tim Riley. On the phones, Richard Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Reynolds. And upstairs, the imagery is Bridget. Uh, thank you all for listening. Like us next. Don and Mike at 7. Don't let the bastards grind it down. Watch out for snakes. See you all tomorrow. Be safe. Bye now. Give me something less effective in my butt.